0: Good morning, it is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn, he's Griffin. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, coming up, we will discuss the Orioles after they do indeed get a big series win yesterday over the Blue Jays. Eric Arditi, our buddy from uh, Barstool, exit 52, will check in with us. He was trying to make me cry this morning. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Also, uh, in just a few minutes, our buddy Bo Smolka, PressBox Ravens beat writer. He was out in Owings Mills for Ravens minicamp this week. We'll talk to him about that. And uh, By the way, what a weird day it was yesterday. I'll, I'll start there, then we'll get to the Orioles win. I, I have no idea. I, we took, okay. We alluded to this earlier in the week. The idea that maybe J.K. Dobbins was holding in. The Ravens said he had a soft tissue injury. And I said then, is that true? I don't know. Might be. Might be a little bit of both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. He really does have an issue. If there wasn't a contract issue, he'd be out there practicing. But since there is, he doesn't want to. All of a sudden, so if, if you don't know, Mark Viviano, WJZ. WJZ, much like we have done a show with Tyus Bowser, they do a show with J.K. Dobbins. And I guess they worked it out. They were going to do one this week during minicamp. Not something that we had thought about with Tyus. Maybe we should have, but Tyus wasn't out there. I don't know what we would have talked about, but it would have been fun, I guess. I just didn't think about it. It wasn't something that crossed my mind. J.K. went over to do the show at WJZ, and they posted a clip of it, and at no point in the clip... Here, go ahead. you can. I mean, I, at no point in the clip does he say, I'm holding in. It doesn't come up. And yet, all of a sudden, everyone was rolling with this story... That he had said he was holding in. It was it was bizarre. It was just a really weird. Here, this is I literally just the entirety. It's it's back and forth between Mark Viviano. They're previewing. I guess the I, their their show is going to air this weekend, and so this is a preview of that. Mark Viviano talking to J.K. Dobbins. Well, at least listen to a little bit of it.
1: All the camps were complete. Um, we didn't see you on the field, but. You did say some things on social media about wanting to be a Raven. Where do you stand, J.K.? What can you say?
2: What the the thing I can say is, I would love to be a Baltimore Raven for the rest of my career. I would love to, because I love the city. I love the people. It feels like family here. Like it feels like home here, my second home. You know, and um, I hope that happens. <laughs> I hope that happens.
3: You're a football player, but you have wide-ranging interests and abilities. And in many ways,
4: you have to be a business uh,
0: mm-hmm. It's fine. Okay. He doesn't say he's holding in in that clip either. It's less interesting. Now, for what it's worth, I think the culprit here was ESPN. Like, I think that this started with—and I'm not trying to call out Jamison Hensley because I, I don't know yeah. if it was him or the way that they wrote it or whatever. But all of a sudden— there's this story that goes up on ESPN that J.K. Dobbins is holding in, and it uses quotes it to- It says, because of his contract.
5: Like, that is what the- Well, but it's been said. rewritten. Yes. Yeah. It's
0: been rewritten today. Today, it's rewritten to simply say, uh, I just saw it a second ago, Ravens J.K. Dobbins frustrated by contract situation. So it no longer says that he's holding in. That has been edited out- it's really weird how this happened and again i it could be nothing more this is the the nature of how this works there is no critical thinking there is no people just start sharing things on twitter and there's no hey what what did somebody actually say where did this actually come from what's going on and i you know i I say I'm, I'm not trying to be critical of if if ESPN allowed that to go up without there actually being any word that J.K. Dobbins had said he was holding in, that's pretty shameful. Like that, it's unacceptable for a company of that. Like I, I'm not trying to say I would give a pass to a smaller company for getting something wrong, but
5: if Pressbox had done that,
0: yeah, I mean that would still be shameful. Like yes. that would be unacceptable. But that's absurd that ESPN would allow that. Um, it it didn't happen like they didn't he didn't say that now again I until you know you never know right like until J.K. Dobbins is you know given the truth serum you never know exactly what the line is between like I'm not you know there was a apparently at one point he declined to confirm a recent report that he's dealing with a soft tissue injury So he's sure as hell leaving enough ambiguity that it might be true. It might very well be true that there is no injury and he's just holding in. And maybe, you know, in in his show with Mark Viviano uh, this weekend, he'll dive into it more and there'll be a more declarative answer. But we don't know that based on yesterday and it led to this sort of rampant speculation online. The truth is we're really more in the original position that we're in, which is, is he holding in or not? And I know that we want answers to that, but the thing that we saw yesterday did not provide an answer to that. Maybe that answer will come, you know, in this show that he does with Viv on the weekends. But maybe we should have called Viv today. Maybe we should text Viv and see. Do you have his number? I can I send it to you if so. not. Yeah, send it to me. Um, I, I'm sure he's doing, you know, the other shows. I'm sure he's busy today because this is a huge—this became a huge thing right. yesterday. And it's not his fault. He certainly— Mark doesn't deserve that. He didn't send out a tweet that said J- J.K. Dobbins told me he's holding in because that didn't happen. No, of course, I don't. I don't have it. I lost like a thousand numbers from my phone, and somehow Vivs was one of them.
5: I'll find it it. it kind of sounds like it. he he. It sounds like J.K. Dobbins kind of thinks he's Lamar Jackson. Like he should be getting like everyone should be bending over to give him a big contract when he really hasn't done a whole lot. Okay, of sub- so let me let's that. let's go a step backwards,
0: right? Because I, there's there is a twofold issue here. Mm-hmm. Everyone can be right. J.K. Dobbins is a very good running back. We know that because his yards per carry are insane, right? Like there is a definitive metric by which, when J.K. Dobbins has been healthy, we know he's been outstanding. That metric is yards per carry. And anyone trying to pretend like we don't know that J.K. Dobbins is a very good running back is, you know, you're. We're just choosing to ignore a defined metric that we have. Now, you can say, if you'd like, I think that's less valuable because I think the system was so good that anyone could have been running like that. Well, you'd be wrong because we saw other backs attempt to run in that system, and they didn't produce the same numbers. Also, you know, you'd be playing yourself because you probably hated Greg Roman, and now all of a sudden you want to give Greg Roman all of the credit and take the credit away from J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> congratulations, you played yourself. That's how it works. That's, that's correct. That's definitely the correct how thinking. it works. So if you want to ignore yards per carry and pretend like it's not a thing, that's all well and good. Now, to say he's the most complete running back in football or the best running back in football or anything along those lines, I'm not going to do that either. But unquestionably, we know J.K. Dobbins is a very, very talented running back. We also know he's not making much money. And given what he's been through injury-wise and given the situation with the team a year ago where apparently he was told by the team they didn't want him to get the other surgery done and they wanted him to keep playing through it, I could understand where there might be a disconnect. I've said over and over again, I could understand given what we learned about Steve Saunders and the strength staff and the fact that everybody else is still there besides Steve Saunders... I can understand why any of these guys might have a disconnect related to injuries, related to health between them and this football team. And if J.K. Dobbins is saying, dude, I feel like given everything you've put me through, I shouldn't be dancing for my dinner at this point. I can understand that beyond understand it. The flip side argument is also relevant. And I wrote about it a couple weeks ago for PressBoxOnline.com. J.K. Dobbins, if he's unhappy, if he thinks he's being treated unfair, given the track record, I can get it. But the flip side argument is still real. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, I don't know what you do. J.K. Dobbins is talented. There's unquestioned, it's unquestionable that he's talented. Do we know that he's one of the best backs in football? We don't know that. That's the separation point. We know he's talented. We know his yards per carry are nuts. Do we know that he's one of those unbelievably special, complete backs that can do everything? He's not the bulldozer that Derrick Henry is, and if he's not going to be that, then he needs to be a pass catcher, and he's never been a pass catcher. And blame whoever you want to blame for that. But if you want to put that on Greg Roman, you're ignoring the fact that he wasn't a pass catcher in college either. It's not like J.K. Dobbins was an outstanding pass catcher at Ohio State. He got the NFL, and Greg Roman said, I'm not going to do that. We don't know what kind of pass catcher J.K. Dobbins is. Now, there certainly has been a part of me that when he's been healthy, I've said to myself, I wish they would throw the ball to J.K. Dobbins a little bit more so we can figure out if J.K. Dobbins is a capable pass catcher. Because if he is, then his skill set, I'm not trying to make him Austin Eckler, but his skill set looks a little bit more like that. We never got to see that. So what do you do if you're the Ravens? You add on the component of there just possibly being a place where you can't pay a certain amount of money at running back any longer because you've got to budget yourself knowing the num- money that's coming in the Lamar Jackson contract. Knowing the cap figures that are coming there, you might just simply say, we have to choose somewhere else where we can't spend money no matter what. It's why I presented the Would You Rather Wednesday scenario the way that I did a week ago. Because it's possible that even if J.K. Dobbins had an outstanding season, even if he was a top three back in the NFL, that we would still sit here and say to ourselves, but can you really put eight figures worth of money at running back?
5: And I think that's really what it comes down to now in the post-Lamar Jackson contract. Maybe.
0: Era. Yeah. I, we also, we have to keep in mind that money isn't real. Like, that's the <laughs> other part of this, and the salary cap isn't real in any of those. Like, I... When I say these things, I'm speculating them, but there's also the part of me that wants to say, and I, and I have said this a couple of times, but I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with just running a good football player out. I don't like that either. I've never liked that. I, when you have answers, I like having answers, not looking for answers. And it's easy for all of us to breathlessly say, well, you're just fine your next guy. Your next guy that's going to lead the league in yards per carry you're certain that you're going to find that guy? I get it. We all believe that like a replacement-level running back is good enough. But we saw replacement-level running back two years ago. Was it good enough? Were they able to get by two years ago when J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were out? We've been through this. We know better. What we're really saying is we think you can draft another J.K. Dobbins. We think we can find another young player. That's going to be your response. Well, yeah, but you were trying to get the job done with, with veterans that are past their prime two years ago. It's so funny now. They've all run together. I don't even remember which of these guys were the guys that were two years ago. Latavius Murray and – Yeah, Latavius Because Mike was Davis there. was last year, right? Like, yes, Mike Davis was last year. So it was year. Latavius Murray and, and, God, was it uh, uh, Devontae Freeman was la- two years ago? Yeah, Devontae Freeman. Right. It was uh, Murray and Freeman, One Yeah, it was
5: Murray and Freeman. In 21. Yes. Tyson Williams.
0: Well, Tyson Williams never Tyson Williams. was never good enough to get on the field. I mean, that was, he was a he training... He was our fifth leading rusher. That no, but he was. that's nothing. He was a training camp darling that everybody screamed about that never actually did anything to show that he could be an NFL player. That was
5: uh, Le'Veon Bell had a cameo. Yeah, later
0: in the season. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they were just throwing anything against the wall to see if it could stick at some point. Um, but the two guys that yeah, they was... went with to begin with were Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman. And I remember saying at the time, look, it stinks to lose your running backs, but... You know you're able to find some good football players off the scrap heap, and I think you're going to be okay.
5: In fairness, I mean they were the number one seed until Lamar gets hurt. Like, and I—that's fine, that's... but it wasn't
0: because they had a dynamic. It was because Lamar Jackson was carrying them,
5: right? Which I think is what they can afford to lean on now that they have Lamar to for five years.
0: Some, mm, no, no, that's not the answer. And again, it's not maybe as critical in outside of a Greg Roman offense as it is in a Greg Roman offense, but you have to have dynamic. You have to have dynamic. You can say, hey, look, you know, the the Chiefs were an example of a team that didn't have dynamic. Well, all of a sudden they looked a lot different when Isaiah Pacheco looked dynamic last year. They went from – they were never pedestrian, but they certainly – I mean, there was a reason why they weren't even considered the favorites in the AFC at one point. But all of a sudden Isaiah Pacheco gets in there, starts doing some special things, and you start saying to yourself, oh, right, this is what a complete offense can look like. You have to have something beyond average. You certainly don't have to have the highest level. Look, the teams with the best running backs have not been the teams that have been competing to win Super Bowls. Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, none of them. Austin Eckler. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to. Oh uh, uh, no, Austin Eckler goes in this conversation. Yes. Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, when he was at his best. Tony Pollard, I guess. Tony Pollard. Maybe. But we're not, he's not in that category yet. He's approaching that. But all of that group has combined to play in how many Super Bowls? The number rhymes with zero. So zero. Yes. <laughs> Look at you. Well, you said zero, at, though. It said, I said it rhymes with zero. Yeah. Oh, okay. So zero rhymes yes, with zero. Yes, you can actually... That's legally how it works. You can rhyme the word with the same word. Okay. You can do that. <laughs> zero is the word. Now, I. I mean... I guess Leonard kind Fournette of, was pretty good, and you know they won a Super Bowl with Lenny Ford, Leonard Fournette. But I wouldn't put him in that top category. Tom Brady, Mike Evans. But I'm saying I still wouldn't even put him in right, that top right, category. Yes, I'm yes. saying he'd be in the next category with like Aaron Jones. It's, it's and not like he was the bell Calgary Joe Mixon and you know Miles Sanders. Like that. I I, I don't I don't think the presence. I, by the way, Christian McCaffrey goes on this list too. But I don't think the presence of Christian McCaffrey. I don't think having a really good running back means you can't get to a Super Bowl. I'm not trying to make a chicken and the egg. Like, if you have a really good running back, there's no chance you can win a Super Bowl. But it certainly appears to be true that the guys that are the really good running backs haven't been winning Super Bowls. Maybe the 49ers will change that with Christian McCaffrey, who for some bizarre reason I forgot to put on that list. Kamara for a while was on that list, too. He has certainly moved to the downside of it, but he was definitely on that list for some time. Josh Jacobs was the best running back in football last year, and the Raiders couldn't even sniff the the Super Bowl,
5: and I think your point about Pacheco though last year is that th- that's just how that's how you're gonna have it, to find running backs. It might be. It L- might very draft. well be.
0: I don't even know if it's late in the draft. Whatever you want to do, it second third round somewhere like that. It could be where you found J.K. Dobbins, but finding a quality player might be the path forward. By the way, the for, the, the Chiefs tried it with a first round pick. Yeah, let's not pretend like they right. didn't use a first round pick on a running back and then said this isn't working. We've got to try again, which is fine. But they attempted to put a heavy investment into the running back position. It just never clicked the way that they wanted it to click, despite the fact that we were all convinced. When they won that Super Bowl and drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we all Whoa. sat back and said, they're going to be even better next year. And as it turns out, it just never worked out for them. But the guy that they found this time, it looks like, it's still early, mm-hmm. but it looks like that some, something is working there. All of a sudden, it looks like hell outside. It, does. it really like, just looks I like, feel hell like a tornado outside. is just going to drop right? down in the parking like, lot. <laughs> like, it went from being a sunny day when I walked into this building to looking like, I mean, Independence Day. It looks like the <laughs> sky is about to open up and the aliens are about to come after us. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Um, all of this, all of this to say, I don't, I and I keep, I don't know what the end game is here. Because what I would say is, if jk dobbins feels as though he needs to make a point i can't really have beef with that there's a limit to that because the truth is he doesn't really want to say i want to be traded he can't want that because there is no trade market i feel bad for the running backs i it's 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 i don't know why any kid would want to be a running back right now because touchdowns. I, I, well, and I yeah. guess the answer is there's only so many jobs available, and if you want to play in the NFL, this is one of them. And, you know, even if you make a million bucks, that's still more than you're going to make doing a dumb internet radio show. short shimmy, stuff, right? yeah, like, that's your... I, I, I I guess there will always be, but – you know, it's very much a mama don't let your babies grow up to be running backs moment at, at this point. And I don't think – everybody keeps saying it's Give cyclical. a baseball bet. Yeah. I, I don't know that it's going to be cyclical. I, something tells me that the the rules of the NFL are going to try to keep it this way for a long time that will continue to devalue the running back position. I think that they they believe that passing is the end-all be-all of football, and that's how you get people to watch the game. And I don't think they ever want the game to, to go back to the era of – ground and pound I don't think they believe that equals ratings I think they know the quarterbacks are the deal that's the jam and so I don't think it's going to be cyclical I think the running back position will continue to be devalued and I've in fact kind of suggested that at some point teams might just take wide receivers and line them up in the backfield or that you might tell guys they can be hybrid players Debo Samuels Cord- Cordero Patterson's the list can go on that you just say there is no such thing as a running back anymore. There are offensive weapons, some of whom will be lined up in the backfield and will take on a little bit more contact, but will also, you know, and by the way, that's really what Christian McCaffrey is, right? He just lines up in the backfield more frequently than some of these other cats do. I I think that era of football will come at some point. When? I don't know exactly, but I do believe it will come. I I feel bad for jk dobbins and if his point is i need to say something so i'm i'm not going to practice in training camp either okay uh, I, can, I can live with that i don't think it helps him to hold out into the season and i think the ravens would be forced to kind of make some decisions but i don't think they're going to be a better team without jk dobbins in any world so if J.K. Dobbins ultimately decides that he does want to hold in, which, again, to this point, we have no idea if that's the case or not, then, you know, I'll live with that. You make your statement, but at some point, it's still going to be better for you to try to get on the field and play. There's there's no world in which it's a good thing for J.K. Dobbins to not play or to try to get released. The market just ain't there. I mean, we'll see what ultimately Dalvin Cook ends up getting, And Dalvin Cook certainly will probably even be in a better position than Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Hunt. But the proof is in the pudding. There isn't a market out there. There's not a team that's desperate to give J.K. Dobbins a boatload of money because if they were, they probably would have already given some of these other guys money. It's not a good time to be a free agent running back. Use whatever leverage you think you can use, but ultimately there is a limit to what that's going to accomplish at the moment the best case scenario for jk dobbins would be having a strong season and probably finding middle ground with the ravens after that probably let's talk a little bit more about this and the guys that actually were on the field this week at ravens minicamp out knowing's mills he is our press box ravens beat writer he's our buddy bo smolka And he's back with us now here on GCR. Bo, it's Glenn. It's always great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us.
3: Hi, Glenn. Good morning.
0: You know, it's a complicated situation with J.K. Dobbins. And I know you wrote about it for PressBox. I wrote a column about it a couple of weeks ago. You know, the things that he's been through, I could certainly understand why J.K. Dobbins would want to feel a little bit more comfort in his life. But the reality of the world is, it ain't a good time to be a running back on the market. So, you know, I, he hasn't said that he was holding in this week. The Ravens said he had an injury. There was a weird hubbub on the Internet yesterday where people thought that he had said that he had held in. I don't know what that was all about. Um, but I, in general, I, I just don't know that there's an easy answer to any of this because, Bo, well, I still think there might be a world in which J.K. Dobbins had a really good season this year and the Ravens just sort of decide, but we know that money's coming on Lamar Jackson's contract We have to budget less money at running back. We just don't have a choice here.
3: No, it's it's a tricky situation, and I think that as for holding in, I think the fact that John Harbaugh simply said, you know, he expected to be out there and he wasn't, and it wasn't in the cards or something. It didn't. It sounded as if it was much less injury related than anything else when John said that, and I think that's what people took to mean a hold in. Um, He, you know, I know he did a little interview with Mark Viviano last night or yesterday. Uh, or it aired yesterday. And so uh, it, it, it's just, there's a lot of questions about it. You're right, that the running position just is a tough spot to be in in this league right now. I mean, teams don't want to pay for them. Um, and and they're viewed as something that is supply and demand is such that given the way the game works, it, it's not worth expending a lot of money on running backs. That just seems to be what a lot of teams look at. And so if you're a running back, this is the business that you're in right now and and as 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 j k dobbins told uh, mark Viviano, it's a tough business, and it's especially tough right now for running backs uh, um
0: so he come go ahead I, I mean i it's it's especially tough i just I, I don't know what the end game is right like that's the tricky part to me, but i can't it's sure like if 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 j k dobbins wanted to do a training camp hold in and make his point and then just sort of you know, start practicing the week before the season. I, I guess maybe he would have made some sort of point in the process, but I don't, I, I I don't think anything's changing. I don't think there's any world in which the Ravens are committing to a contract to JK Dobbins before the season begins.
3: I, it seems surprising. I don't, I would, I would be surprised as well. And as you said, I'm not sure what he gains by holding in all through training camp either. In the end, he, it's a, I mean, the, the, the harsh truth is he's going to have to produce. Um, to get paid whether here or somewhere else and i mean it's and i feel bad for the guy i mean he, he obviously he gets hurt in the last preseason game um upset that he was playing in it i think at all and then he's hurt and misses the entire season then he comes back and he has a cleanup procedure he's not quite right he has to have a cleanup procedure he comes back and looks looks kind of like the old jk dobbins a little bit but again it was a small window four weeks four games or something and so you, you felt like it was going to be there. But if you're the Ravens, you've seen now really three or four games in the last two years. Um, and there's clearly a difference of opinion right now between the team and the player. And it's not the first time that's happened. And it won't be the last time this happens with this team. We just went through this for two years with the quarterback. Right. But um, with, with, with J.K. Dobbins, it's complicated because, I, it, it, as you said, it's just a tough marketplace right now for running backs overall
0: well i think the the, it is important to still say though i don't think that you can pretend that the ravens would be just as good without jk dobbins as like i i don't think there there isn't pain for the ravens if jk dobbins does decide to do whatever he wants to do hold out hold in anything along those lines I, i i'm not jk dobbins might not be the best running back in football but we've seen yards per carry he's much better than anybody else they put out there in the last few years and i and i I'm not trying to say it's the difference in then winning a Super Bowl or not. I don't want to be dramatic about it, but I, I think that it would be wrong to suggest that this is only a J.K. thing and wouldn't negatively impact the Ravens in some way.
3: No, I think that's absolutely true. They're a better team with him. That's exactly what Todd Munkin said. And let's keep in mind, Gus Edwards hasn't been out there either. Mm. Uh, he was out there a little bit to individual work, and he's clearly, he is coming back from something medically, and they expect him to be back at training camp. but. um you know, it's been basically Justice Hill and a couple of undrafted rookies all spring. And they're a better team with Dobbins, no question about it. And Dobbins, to whatever extent that gives him any leverage, I don't know, because they're just going to soldier on whether he's there or not. And I think that's part of the problem. And From Dobbins' point of view, that is. they they is. They're going to be who they are. I think it's fascinating, too, because as I said, I'd love to know really what he's thinking, given that. All the talk this entire spring has been this new passing game and all these new shiny toy receivers. And here's Dobbins like, wait a minute. Hey, I'm still here. You know, here I am. But again, then he wasn't there in OTAs. He's not there. He didn't participate in minicamp. And so it's fair to wonder exactly, you know, exactly what he will be when he comes back. I think when he's at the top of his game, he substantially makes this team better. Um, but the problem is there just haven't there hasn't been much of that in the last two years, and that's to no fault of his own. It's all been physical. But that's 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 where he's at and that's where the team's at and it's going he he becomes now that the Lamar Jackson thing is settled and we kind of know the Patrick Queen situation, Dobbins is the number one storyline for sure.
0: He is press box Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. he's with us here on G C R Bo, as far as the guys that were on the field this week, was there anything, just in terms of, say, who was lining up with starters, who was lining up at what position, was there anything in particular that was interesting to you as far as sort of taking some some account of what this team might look like once we get moving towards the preseason?
3: Well, I think the biggest thing, and John Harbaugh made reference to it yesterday. They've they've churned through three or four different guys at at that miss at that un, kind of blank starting left guard spot over mm-hmm. the course of the OTAs and minicamp, and this week, uh, that that rookie Sala, they call him Sala from Oregon. He's he's been the um, he he you know we're not really supposed to. Stay who's starting and where, but John Harbaugh acknowledged as much that John that Sala was basically working as a starting left guard much of minicamp, and they liked what they saw from him. And it would be surprising for a you know day three guy to jump right in and be the starting starter up front on the offensive line. But I think it makes clear that 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 left guard spot is wide open. I don't know if they're trying to kind of challenge Ben Cleveland that way, or if they're clearly moving on from Ben Cleveland already. Um, And John Simpson is in the mix there with Daniel Falele got a little accident left guard. So that Mm -hmm. spot seems wide open to me. And, but having Sala run a lot with the first unit this week was, was interesting. Um, And then of course there are certain players that, um, you know, are, are not out there that as we saw, we didn't see Dobbins. We didn't see Edwards. So it's hard to see quite what the running game is going to look like. Tyus Bowser didn't practice this week. He was on, on a side field doing some uh, running. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they work that outside linebacker group. I'll say this in the spring in the OTAs and the mini camp to me, David Ajabo is was the most impressive guy out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just looks terrific. He looks fast and he looks mm-hmm. ready. And this is a guy that didn't get to play much last year and is really hungry. So will they use him as an ed setter in the run game? Will they wait and get him out there, you know, go get the quarterback on passing situations? I'm not sure yet. Cause again, Ty Bowser wasn't out there. The, the outside linebacker group still feels a little thin, but Ojabo looks terrific.
0: I, I had to practice it about a million times because he was on the show a few weeks ago. Salah Amuvai Laulu. Um, and I think yes. that's right, but I'm still not even sure that's right. I, I uh, usually
3: try to spell it. But yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah Sala, he's a he... no, Look, I, and It was a really nice guy and was really excited about being here, but I, it'd be fascinating to see if that ends up being a role for him. But what about, you know, as far as what we saw in the secondary, right? Like, of course, the story this week was that Adrian Amos ends up signing with the Jets, who there had been some thought that the Ravens would probably try to bring in, and that might free up Kyle Hamilton to play in the slot, which everybody saw how successful that was a year ago. What, what 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 have you seen? Do you still think that they're in the market maybe to try to bring in some help before they get the training camp?
3: I mean, I think I think they still could um, use Kyle Hamilton in the slot and fill in with G- Gino Stone. Had a good a, a mini camp on what we saw. Um, I, you know, again, it's hard. There's no contact, so it's how are they moving when they're playing the little eleven on eleven on periods that they do have, or seven on seven periods that they do have. How is he looking? Breaks well on the ball, good instincts, all that kind of stuff. And we saw an, an, a lot of him last year. I think they would be comfortable with a situation where they have Hamilton moving in and playing a slot kind of place and have Geno Stone back there with Marcus Williams at safety. Maybe even Brandon Stevens, who came here. Remember, Brandon Stevens came here. He was a cornerback in college. They projected him to be a safety here. They moved him back to cornerback as kind of a need based situation But I think they still view him more of a safety, and so I think Brandon Stevens is a guy that will get more and more work in training camp at safety and give them another option there. But I do think it wouldn't surprise me to see them with three safety alignments with Hamilton, Stone, and Williams on the field quite a bit.
0: What's your gut tell you in general about, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins stuff won't go away. He's taken a couple of visits but not signed anywhere. All of a sudden, Daniel Hunter's name was floating around with trades a week ago. What What's your gut tell you about their appetite to do anything of significance versus maybe just you know if they could pull in another depth piece, uh, you know, a bring back a Fuller? I I know there are some rumors this week that maybe Peters is leaning towards the Raiders, but he is still out there and hasn't signed yet. What What's your gut tell you about whether they'd maybe be interested in doing something big versus if they do anything at all, probably just something for depth.
3: I think if they were to do, I mean, look, they've remade the receiver room. They've already got five first round draft picks in the receiver room now. I don't know if they'll all make it. I'll say Nelson Aguilar is that a good. Spring yeah, I'll, I'll for bet a guy against Laquan kind of Fredwell
0: morning. making the roster. <laughs> I'll bet against that at the moment. So, I
3: right? I mean, then you got Prochet and Tylen Wallace, those other right. guys that were here before. Right. But anyway, I think if there's a move to be made, I still think it would be. Uh, at, at an outside linebacker position because I'd still think it's fair, you know, whether it's Justin Houston or someone of that ilk to to be someone that can come in and be a situational veteran pass rusher. Because I, again, I, I still don't, I still think that's a spot where they might be, look to upgrade or, or upgrade uh, add to um, and in the way that they found Jason Pierre Paul last year, for example, as, as a guy that could come in and play some, Um I think they're I think they're not going to be in the splash signing splash mm-hmm. trade mode, but I do think they would I would not be surprised to see them do that at outside linebacker. Um, I'd be more surprised to see it with Marcus Peters, um maybe another defensive back, but they, they you know they always say they never have enough defensive backs and never can never have too many corners, as Ozzy Newsom always said. But to me, if there's a move to be made, I think it would be a, as a, at a veteran outside linebacker.
0: Maybe bringing back Justin Houston would make some sense um, at, at that point, given that he was fairly productive last year, at least for the beginning of the season. At the beginning of the season, he was really productive last year and then kind of tailed off from there. Anything else that, that you're going to be thinking about between now and the start of training camp that you think is relevant for this team, Bo?
3: I mean, that, that you know, I, I, I personally, I think some of these veteran guys will wait and see what, what, what is available training camp's going to start and people are going to get hurt and those veterans are going to get calls so that's going to happen whether it's here or somewhere else those guys so I think those guys for them Justin Houston or other under unsigned linebackers or other position players for them it's a matter of just staying in shape and being ready when the phone rings I think that's the kind of thing that's going to happen um so I'm not expecting much in the way of that and then again when they come back it's a question of you know what where's 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 J.K. Dobbins' head, and where does this offense go with, the, with those guys? I mean, the offense has said all the right things. They're really excited about what they have. Lamar Jackson looks happy and excited. and uh, he, It looks, when you watch Lamar Jackson, like this burden is off. He looks excited again and relieved that this contract stuff is done with. But now they've played all spring without really any idea what their running game looks like mm. um, because they, they haven't had Gus Edwards. They haven't had J.K. Dobbins. And so once they start training camp, you hope, you hope that they can finally get a sense of that, but they don't know yet. Uh, And they're not going to, we're not, that's not something we're going to find out in the next five weeks. I think the only thing that might happen, as I said, maybe there'll be some sort of a, 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 an acquisition, but honestly, I think that's the kind of thing that might wait until training camp starts.
0: Bo, do you want to tell everybody about this uh, really unique story that you wrote about for the print issue of PressBox?
3: Yes, yeah, so the press box, the print issue is out just now. I wrote a story about David Ajabo and Adafe Owe, who were high school teammates in New Jersey. And it's actually remarkable that they would then end up in the NFL together because when they were high school teammates at Blair Academy, they were actually high school basketball teammates. They both came to Blair Academy with the idea of becoming Division One basketball players. Adafi Owe was already in New Jersey David Ajabo was living in Scotland and dominating in Scotland. And his his basketball coach in Scotland told him he's a Canadian. And he said, hey, you know, if you really think about playing college basketball, you should probably look to the, uh, to the U.S. boarding schools. So David Ajabo, as a 15-year-old, took it upon himself to write letters to a bunch of boarding schools. He told me that he limited it to the East Coast because he wanted to make sure that getting back and forth from Scotland wouldn't be too difficult. So he sent notes to seven or eight high schools on the East coast boarding schools saying, Hey, you know, send a, send a basketball videotape dominating these teams in Scotland. And he said, a couple of schools never replied. A couple gave him these weird answers. Blair Academy said, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Come on over. So he gets here and plays basketball. Well, he quickly realizes that Scottish basketball and us high school basketball are not quite the same thing. And he did. He doesn't even start for Blair Academy. And he sees his basketball career is not probably going very far. Well, then he sees this guy, Jason Owe. Remember, J- Adafio used to go by Jason. He sees this guy, Jason Owe, who's playing this game called football that Americans play. And, oh, look at that. He's, he's doing really well. And, he, and colleges are noticing him. And so he goes to the football coach and basically says, hey, you know what? Adafio is getting or Jason Owe is getting all this attention. I'm stronger. I'm faster than him. Can can I try this game? And boom, he starts playing football at age 16. And now both of them, who wanted to go to Blair Academy to play basketball, both of them are now on the same team in the NFL, which is really quite remarkable.
0: That's cool. That's really, really cool. You can read all about it in the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now. For free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. A uh, great cover story from uh, Dave Ginsberg as well, remembering Tony Saragusa a year after he passed and after a younger generation learned about Goose in Bullies of Baltimore. Um, a really great story from Dave in there about how his family is continuing his legacy. At B Smolka on Twitter is how you follow him, and, of course, PressbacksOnline.com. Bo Smolka, appreciate it. Enjoy a little bit of downtime here in your summer. We'll look forward to chatting as uh, training camp gets underway, all right?
3: All right, Glenn, thanks.
0: Have a good one. Bo Smolka, PressBox Ravens beat writer, with us here on GCR. All right. Um, when we come back in, our buddy Eric Ardidi uh, from Barstool, exit 52. We haven't talked to Orioles at all yet after they got a really nice win yesterday. We will do that when we come back in after Felix Batista played hero late in the game and then Ken Zales wanted to fight me because I made him man of the match instead of Tyler Wells. Maybe don't give up two home runs to a guy hitting 194 talk about that when we come back in. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
8: Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first
7: sip, that first bite.
6: If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with
0: you? All right, back in here on GCR. I promise we're going to get into some Orioles conversation this morning after they did get a very nice win yesterday to wrap up the series. Our buddy uh, Eric Arditi, RDT, he's running a little bit late, so um, we'll, we'll get to him. I promise that's coming up here in a few minutes. But I know that uh, my buddy Trippy is absolutely a number one. He is uh, J.K. Dobbins. He and his family treat J.K. like family. Trippy, of course, you see on Twitter, um, and you he calls into the radio show all the time. And he heard us talking about J.K. this morning, and he wanted to buzz in to talk about it. So I I heard you got run off the fan. That those guys ran you off today. So I wanted to give you a, a minute here, Trippy. What's going on, brother? <laughs> Hey, what's going on, Glenn? Good morning. It's good How's to fine? hear from you, dude. Everything good? Yeah, I'm on my
2: way to work. I'm you on the highway, but I got time to talk. Um, yeah, they ran me off the fan earlier. I kind of agree with uh, Rob was saying, but he said he only played eight games. So I was confused about if a player played eight games, right, why does that matter? Like the whole purpose was he set out week 18 to come back for the playoff game, right?
0: Uh, that's so true, I'm, yeah. I'm
2: you know what I mean? So I'm trying to figure out. I get fans saying, oh, he's been injured, all this and all that, which is understandable. But I mean, when he's on the field, you can see what he can do. And like I say, he, he came from the school. He played, what, that first game against the Steelers? He was like, he wasn't even 100%, and he still was, you know, averaging, what, five point yards a well, so so that's
0: Imagine when he's healthy. That's the part, and I talked about this earlier. I have, there is no room for disparaging, it's a complicated situation. It's an unbelievably complicated situation. But attempting to disparage or minimize J.K. Dobbins, I, I can't tell you that he's the best back in football, or really at the moment that he's a top five back in football, but to, to dismiss leading the league in, in, in yards per carry in 2020 when he was fully healthy, and then even when he wasn't fully healthy, averaging 5.7 yards per carry a year ago, which would have been tied for the league lead if he had enough carries to qualify – trying to dismiss that or pretend like that's nothing is just as stupid. Like, that's just as exactly. dumb as anything else to try to make it seem like J.K. Dobbins is mid or J.K. Dobbins stinks. It's complicated. It's really complicated. But to try to hey, diminish Glenn, J. J.K. Dobbins is dumb.
2: Hey, Glenn, to be honest with you, I hate to say this, though, but I always said about Ravens fans, but I know I'm probably going to bubble the wrong way. Us just Ravens fans were ungrateful. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're a drafted player, you know what I mean? And then when things don't go right, the first thing they say, oh, trade them, get rid of them. You know what I mean? It's it's just always something, right? But I do understand the market for the running backs is, you know, it's not really big, right? But it's it's, it's like you got all these questions. Oh, J.K. sat out because of the injury. This and that. But how about this, right? Remember when, and I hate to say this, Remember so when Lamar didn't come to the little mini camp? Everybody said, Oh, it's just mini camp. It's just mini camp. JK said he's getting ready for training camp. So I feel as though when training camp comes, he's going to be there. But it's just, it's just crazy because I just feel like, and this is my opinion, I feel like ever since Lamar got signed, people don't care who's on the team. As long as Lamar's on there, they don't care who the money back There's is. An amount of that.
0: Give, yeah. You mm-hmm.
2: know what I mean? And then, and then the D, what's his name? Mitchell. He's nice, right? But we don't know exactly what he's gonna do. Like, come on now, how many times the Ravens brought in a running back? Look at Beatty last year. We hardly use him, hmm. and that is the question about the Ravens. That I really, I'm a big diehard Raven fan, but I want to know why the Ravens do not use our players. Like, why do we always have to bring in a vet? I mean, I love vets, but why we don't never like the instance. Pass rushing is my big problem this year, right? I want to bring back Justin Houston, but at the same time, we it back Justin Houston, that's going to be taking playing time from the other players. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. It's just like a dilemma for real for real. I just hope everything gets worked out because I want Raven fans to stop saying, oh, J.K. only think about himself. J.K. is a team person. He's a family person. He loves Baltimore. He wants to be here.
0: You know what I'm saying? So no, I, I look. I've got no. I have no beef. And even if he did hold in for a little while because he wanted to make a statement, or he's still mad about, you know, the Ravens not not supporting him, wanting to get the surgery a year ago, whatever. I got no beef with J.K. I just don't think that. Like, I don't think there's a good end game here, right? Like that would be my only right, thing. Right. Like I don't think there's a. I I don't think demanding if he were to say I'm gonna hold out until I get a deal, I think that it would be bad news because I don't think that deal's gonna come right now. I think he's got to play. And to your point. You know, if, if he shows up and he plays through training, all good. Like, I got no I, – I have no problem with somebody trying to use the leverage they have and use the voice that they have. I just think ultimately right now it's going to take him having a strong season. And even then – and this is the really tough part for me, Trippy. Even if J.K. is outstanding this year, I, I wonder if the Ravens internally aren't saying, hey, when that money comes for Lamar, when those big contract numbers hit – we have to budget less somewhere else, and they might just decide that running back is that position where they're going to budget less. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but inevitably there is going to be a cost to paying that type of money to Lamar Jackson. Like You're not going to be able to keep everyone at some point. Right. And so yeah. I, I, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, you, you good? Everything else good with you? Yeah,
2: everything's good, man. You know, I'm just waiting on the season to I
0: come. You. You know, I know you.
2: Waiting on training camp. No.
0: all right bro no. i love I you that. appreciate hey, Glenn, you man. i definitely appreciate you calling me you got my number now so, all right man like, we'll be in touch I feel like call just call all okay, right bro great day, okay thanks Bye, bro. that's my guy trippy love him he's a regular with us on the radio show and you see him on social media he's always uh dabbing up guys before games and he's created relationships with players he's a good dude i like his uh positivity and so i like him so uh, he wanted to buzz in for a minute and i was gonna be willing to make that work All right, we do have a lot more to do on the program today. Pressboxonline.com slash offers as we are offering you new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sports books here in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings when you place your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of these sports books, so go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now and sign up today. All right. Uh, I, I love this. This is a friend of ours. You guys know that, and I love him, but I also kind of hate him today, and I have to address that with him. He is uh, from Exit 52 in Barstool. He's our buddy Eric Ardidi, and he's back with us now here on GCR. You know I love you, but you also understand today I kind of hate you, right? It's
2: what did I what did I do now? I, I, what
0: did I do? I literally got in my car this morning and couldn't start driving because I was crying. You a-hole. You <laughs> Yeah,
4: join the join the club, bud. God. <laughs> um
0: the it's I watched all 3 of them. So if you don't know Eric this morning, today is it's we're 3 years removed from um the uh the incredible the beautiful day uh celebrating Mogaba uh, graduating middle school. And you you shared those videos that you had put together and like when you get to the last one and it's Trey and Cal pff, Stop. Just stop. Yeah.
4: That that <laughs> was uh I, I rewatched it this morning too. I, I don't rewatch it too much. I, I'll maybe do it like two or three times a year, but you know, I well I, when I woke up this morning I saw on Facebook, you know, it was like oh three years ago today and then I realized and that's when I tweeted out like of course, they're in They're in Chicago playing Trey. Like, we were all with each other three years ago. Yep. You know, like I said, Trey was in the middle of, of, you know, his his chemo and all that stuff. And now it's, you know, again, it's just, of course, that they're playing Trey today. Like, Mo would, uh, you know, he always has his hand in stuff. So, go figure that they're playing him.
0: <sighs> it's amazing how that worked. Like, the day that, uh, it, it, unbelievably... Like when earlier this year we had been working on just having Trey on at some point to talk about winning a World Series, and it just so happened to be that the day he told us he wanted to come on was Moe's birthday. Like, it, it, it's,
4: it's, it, it, He has his hand in everything. It? It, again, it's incredible. It's,
0: it's incredible. It's utterly unreal. I'd encourage you to wander over at EDD22. Be by, get, get to a room by yourself. Don't be around other people. <laughs> like get, get to a place – where you don't have to be doing anything, where you don't have to be trying to drive a car, anything like that. Just go somewhere today and and go back and look at those videos and some of the pictures that Eric shared that day. It was it was really a miracle of a day in the midst of a pandemic. And I know how much work you put in to you know calling people the night before, hey, I'm trying to throw this thing together and what an unbelievable day it was, man. It was uh Alright, I gotta I gotta stop because I'm gonna I'm gonna get right back to the same place. I'm gonna go right back there. All right. Um I I got a few things I want to talk about with you. First of all, you have said you're you're good now. You can come in at some point to pay off your like six year old penalty that you owe us, right?
4: Ooh, coming in may mm, be difficult. Eric.
7: Eric.
4: Um Eric No, I work from home, so I can hop on the phone, but you know, coming in, I don't know. The, the, the prison pizza or whatever is going to be waiting for me. Yeah. Well, you could always know. duck out
0: of the room if you needed to take a phone call, Eric. That, that's okay. Yeah, that's you, you could always do that that's if true. that was necessary. <laughs> you know? That's true. I, I think that Griffin would even be willing to make the pizza for you, to take that part of the equation out, so that all you've got to do... I may just, just Venmo Griffin to eat it. No. No. no okay. oh, hold on. No, I'm, listening. No, I'm, listening. I'm no, listening. no. 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 No, not going to work. try. Way. All right, it's worth a try. I uh, Ended up in a conversation with some folks yesterday about what happens if Dylan Tate comes back here in the next week or two and how Ian Eric Cano has looked a little more human of late. Eric, I want to make this. Two nights ago, I found myself saying, and again, I was second-guessing, not first-guessing, but in the aftermath when it was a one-run game, and he went to Coulomb instead of Cano to start the eighth inning, despite the fact that Cano hadn't pitched since Friday, I said to myself, in hindsight, that seems like that was a mistake, right? Like, why go down without having fired your best bullets? Like, why lose a game without throwing your best arms out there to give you the chance? And then after watching yesterday and how we've kind of been dancing this dance for a little while now with Cano— I actually start to wonder if at some point the eighth inning isn't just Cano as much as it's, hey, let's look at matchups because we can't any longer assume that Cano's just going to go three up, three down the way that it looked like for the first month of the season.
4: I, know, I think you're right, and and I tweeted something out maybe last week or two weeks ago and said the same thing. Like, no offense to him, you know, I said he he's looking more and more human, which, again, people kind of took his life. Oh, well he's, you know, you can't say that he's still really good. And it's like, no, he is. But he's not the the untouchable Kano that, like you said, we saw for the first month. I think either fatigue is catching up to him or the book is out on him, which is fine. That's what happened. Um, and I'm with you now. You know, I, I think we're going to probably see more matchup by matchup. you know, um, guys coming in and stuff like that. Maybe it is Coulomb. Maybe it is, you know, a Brian Baker or something like that in the eighth. And it doesn't – you know, I don't think Cano has that spot locked down. But he's still awesome. He's been very good. He's better than your average reliever. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, – you know, we've noticed it. He's given up the walks. He's given up some runs. He's given up hits, and that's fine. It's going to happen. Nobody is, you know, perfect. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I, I could see them kind of, kind of doing the matchup thing, and especially when Tate gets back. You know, you got to think that maybe maybe an Austin Vose DFA or the extended, you know, IL stint for mm-hmm. him – when Tate comes back, and you know that that elbow that seemed to just start barking, you know it's really weird how that works. Right?
0: Really weird. Some, you know? I,
4: I, apparently, he fell in the pothole that Ubaldo That's did a couple of years ago and landed on his elbow. Which is, you would have think they would have gotten that terrible. fixed
0: by now. You would have thought that I'm, they would have done something about that.
4: I'm shocked that there's a pothole in the players' parking That's lot. That's a great you know? point. Like, those hey, guys
0: have really expensive cars, like you'd think.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's neither here nor there. You know, we don't need to talk about the Baltimore City road. But (laughs) um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what what the move is with with uh, Tate when he comes back, which I think he's doing another uh, Norfolk appearance tomorrow. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, a combination of a Tate and and Cano in the the eighth inning. That's I mean, that gets me kind of, you know, riled up. So I'd like to see that.
0: Uh, we have to continue to talk. I know, you know, he was like six inches away from giving up a bomb yesterday, but he didn't. And keeping that in mind, this thing with Batista is nuts. Like, it it really, I, I don't think we're paying, because we spent so much time talking about Cano at the start of the season, I think in a way we might be missing how Batista is truly having, like, a historic season to this point. Hmm? Huh? Did it, did it, I don't know what happened there. I have no idea what's going on. We'll see if we can't find Eric there. Um that was weird. Very weird things happening. Let's see if we can't reconnect. You uh you there, bro?
4: Yes. Right. here we are. We're yeah. here.
0: Batista. Man. No,
4: um I I I heard you talk about Batista and and he's been I mean, he's been unbelievable and it seems like the tide's kind of turned when People said, you know, maybe we should do Cano as, as closer and Bautista in the eighth inning. And it, I don't know if that lit a fire under him or what, but he's been, I mean, untouchable since basically the Aaron Judge home run, you know, which, and there were also people who said that that game, that may have been his best stuff, except for that pitch. Right. But yeah, yeah I mean, historic, unbelievable stuff. I've been, I have a, this thread where I just retweet myself every day and I, I tweet out his like k per nine and it's like up to 18.6 Bonkers. which is stupid i mean you can't that shouldn't be possible um he's i mean he, he's unbelievable and yeah the, you know yesterday that was just a long strike that's all it was um kind of scared that's me all i a saw bit, but um <laughs> that's
0: all i saw was one just yeah, a just a well, particularly eventful strike that's it <laughs>
5: yeah
4: just uh it was a souvenir that's all it was all right. um but no i mean he's he's been incredible and and again, he's almost kind of like underrated. Now we kind of just take him for granted. And I also tweeted yesterday, like, it's kind of funny that, you know, the Orioles are going to have back-to-back close or, you know, back-to-back years with an all-star closer, you know, Jorge Lopez last year. And then the guy that they got in a trade for one of those closers may be on the all-star team as well. So, I mean, but yeah, credit to, to Bautista and, and, you know, to the pitching staff there for working with him just because they they found something. and, And I mean, he's throwing those fastballs just on a rope. Like there's no movement at all. It's, it's incredible. He he's just unbelievable right now. I think he's the best reliever in baseball. I really do. I honestly think, well, I've, top to bottom, I think he's the best. The the,
0: the the these were a few of the things. So, this tweet our, our friend Dylan Atkinson put this out. Felix Batista struck out half the batters he faced today, and his K per, K's per nine innings went down. <laughs> the, there he's was down a tweet. I'm, to I'm a trying. fifty point eight percent K I'm, rate because he only struck I'm out half to of the guys.
4: Find it. Let me see. Here it is. This is from Alex Fast. He said, Bautista has 66 strikeouts, and that's more than any starter on Cleveland, Colorado, Kansas City, and Oakland. Now, those teams yeah, aren't, yeah, they're not, aren't right. you know, in the middle. Right. That's incredible, though. No, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's I mean, yeah, so he's just, we need to recognize the season that he's having because, again, this is this is something very, very special. I haven't looked from, at from it from recently. Bautista.
0: The, the uh, ESPN Cy Young predictor had him, like, Third on the list the other day, um, and yet you know if you go to any of these betting sites, they don't even have odds for Felix Batista. He's still third. He's th- ESPN's Cy Young predictor, um, and I don't know all of the math. I can't pretend. Like I'm not. I, I my God, I I'm an idiot who went to Perry Hall. I can't do all of this. <laughs> but they have him behind only McClanahan and Eovaldi right now. That's it. That's that's the list of guys that their their machine. That is supposed to be smarter than all of us uh, for indicating who should win the Cy Young Award has in front of Felix Bautista. It's incredible. Um, the other issues, let me let me stay with pitching. Eric Arditi is with us from Exit 52 in Barstool. Um, one, at, at what point do we need to start talking about, like, we, we were going to do this with Grayson Rodriguez at the beginning of the year, and we'll get back to Grayson in a second, but we do kind of have to deal with an innings thing, too, with Tyler Wells, right? Like, we have to address that because you can't go from 103 to 200 it, it doesn't work that way and it's starting to creep up towards 100 already and i'm gonna, i said this about Grayson from the start of the season i you you can't have this lead to a shutdown like th- th- it's such a poisonous thing for this fan base if this team gets to august is in the throes of something and says we're going to sh- we're going to do what they did to Strasbourg once upon a time and shut down our our best pitcher. Like, you've got to think about that ahead of time, don't you?
4: Yeah, I mean, you, you would assume that, that they have a plan or they have something in mind. I I don't know what they're going to do because Wells is, I mean, he's been pitching unbelievable, and Nathan Ruiz tweeted this out during the game yesterday, so it's not completely accurate now, but he said, you know, in 2022, Tyler Wells had 76 Ks and 103 and 230. I think this year he's up to 82 strikeouts and 82 in the third inning or something like that. So, again, I mean, he's, he's blown by his strikeout number from last year. And like you said, the innings thing is creeping up. And, and we all know the story. You know, Tommy John, Rule 5, the COVID year, he didn't throw a baseball for like, you know, two or three years. It yep. was. Um, it's, it, it's an interesting thought because, I mean, right now he's the ace of the staff. Yes. He looks awesome. I mean, yesterday – you know, he and, and it's funny because I, I had my event with him at Jimmy's on Sunday and he didn't shy away from it. He goes, listen, I give up a lot of home runs. Yep. I know that. And he said, you know, something like I just have to do a good job at limiting runners because he said solo home runs won't beat you. It, you know, you're not you, you very rarely. are you going to lose one nothing on a solo home run. Like it's just not going to happen. So he said, you know, if I give up a solo home run, not that he's happy with giving up home runs, but he goes, if it's a home run, I want it to be a solo. Obviously. Um you know, I, I, I really don't know what they're going to do because, like you said, are, are is Elias going to be able to look Hyde in the clubhouse in the face in, and, 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 you know, the end of August and go, listen, guys, you know, I know we're 25, 30 games above 500, and, you know, we have a real shot to, to do something here, but we got to shut down Tyler Wells because nice. of the innings thing. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, that, that's it's just not going to go over well. So I, I don't know. I really have no idea, and I'm I'm kind of – I don't know. I'm nervous about what they're going to do with him because, like you said, it's definitely a thing, and it's, it's you know I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it.
0: I, I, don't, I don't think it's easy either, right, because like I, this week I, I thought to myself, why not move up Gibson, having had the off day, and have Gibson pitch the second game in Tampa. Gibson's here to have his arm fall off, right? Like he's a mercenary. I like <laughs> I want to make that abundantly clear. He's not Jordan Lyles. He's been really good. I, I, mm-hmm. I, but he's here not for a long time. He's here for a good time. Like you're not worried about whether or not Cal Gibson's arm is going to fall off in the process because he's a mercenary. So let him pitch every fifth day while you have these off days and use this week. Now the flip side is that means you're playing these really important games against Tampa and you don't have your best pitcher start in that series. And I understand why that's not ideal um but you got to do something and you have you've had a ton of off days this month you've had more off days this month than i think you're going to have any other month during the course of the season and more opportunities to not have to put him on the injured list but just skip a start and be thinking about this ahead of time and i know eternally i'm the guy that's more flummoxed about these things like everybody else is sort of just like "eh, deal with it when you got to deal with it like I, i it maybe the answer is they're going to go out and trade for Corbin Burns, and then it won't be that big of a deal. Uh, and they're going to they're gonna announce an extension for Gunnar Henderson. And so the relationship between the team and the fan base, they'll have announced the lease by then. And they've got so much good favor built up that if they do shut down Tyler Wells before the playoffs, you know, we'll live with it because they've done so many other good things. But at the moment, having done none of those things, man, when you're, you're getting fans to come back and, you know, there's a real feel in town, I'm just absolutely effing terrified of the thought of this being what you say to the fan base. Oh, on top of everything else, we're going to shut down the best pitcher, which maybe is the right decision, but my God, it just sounds like poison to a fan base that is trying desperately to get back on board right now.
4: Yeah, and again, it's it's going to be a tough it's a tough conversation now. It's going to be a tough conversation, you know, to cross, you know, when you get to that bridge. Um, And again, he's not. I mean, it's the le- you ask him, and he's going to say he's going to say what you said about Gibson. I want to pitch until my arm falls right, off. Right. But again, this is this is a 28 year old guy who's by far having the best year of his career, and you're like, you know what? We'd like to see maybe five or six more years of this. Correct. You know, with you here, and in the particular, in the,
0: in the next two years, when you're trying to win a World Series, like <laughs>
4: exactly, yes, yes, when your window is is you know fully yep. open. Um god i i don't know i don't know and now that's a thought that's going to keep me up at night so shout out to you yeah
0: Um, i hate being that guy i'm always this guy this is always my thing is that i'm thinking ahead on these things and thinking about what could go wrong and ah it's i don't i think it's the virgo in me dude like it's just the way that i operate (laughs) let me go back to Grayson. i watched a good bit of that yeah like for a little while i had that game on the computer and the orioles game on the tv and, you know, he ended up giving up a home run in the sixth inning, and maybe that's the problem still is, like, that third time through the order thing. I, I For the first five innings, he was dominant, right? Like, he was striking out 11 guys. He didn't allow a hit for the first five innings. I, like, when do you say, hey, it's just not valuable anymore. We've got to have him here. Maybe the answer is six-man rotation to try to help out with Tyler Wells' innings, whatever it is. When do you make the call that no matter what Cole Irvin is doing today in Chicago, there's no reason why Grayson Rodriguez should continuing to be p- be pitching innings at Triple A?
4: Yeah, after yesterday, that was kind of an eye opening. Like, all right, look, this is the Grayson that we kind of thought we were going to get. Um, and and I mean, the big thing was the walks because what was it? His last start or two starts ago, where I think he struck out six. Yeah, but he and th- that's. That's all anybody was posting, the, like, five innings, six Ks, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, you look at the box score. It's yeah. like, yeah, but he walked five. You know, but it was, it was conveniently hidden, which I get. I, I definitely understand why the accounts did that. But, you know, yesterday seeing the, the swing and the misses, um, the, again, the, the you know, limiting the hits and, and one walk and all those Ks, it's like, all right, maybe now he's feeling it. He's got it back. You know, I don't know what the pitch breakdown was, how many fastballs, how many breaking balls, stuff like that. But again, it seems like he was comfortable, and and I, I mean, I, do you give him one more? Yeah. Do you do you let the Orioles come home? Because where do they they they're in Chicago, and
0: then then Tampa, Tampa it is. Yep.
4: I mean, you you could send him down there, or again, you could just wait till he comes back up. I think the 23rd they're back at home. Versus yep. Seattle. Um, again, you could bring him back for that series. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's gonna be soon though. I, I think it's gonna be soon. A six man rotation would not be the worst. Um, again, especially if you're kind of getting some pieces to your bullpen back with Tate and stuff like that. Um, so you got a little extra, some weapons there, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would maybe give him one more start down there. And again, it's not a, it's not a, um, a, a, what am I trying to say? It's not like a, we're not looking to see like, oh, here's how he, you know, here's his numbers down there. It's just like how he looks, how he feels, how things are moving, stuff like that. I don't care if he wins or loses, or if he, you know, if he's not giving up hard hit balls, and, you know, a ton of home runs and walking guys, I think you bring him back up.
0: Yeah, I just don't know how much value there is. Like, and again, he's got an innings problem, too. <laughs> like, having, mm-hmm. spending more yep. innings at A, not not helpful, does not help anything when you only have a limited number of innings with him when he gets back. And then, um, I'll just wrap with this. I, I still, talking about the things that kind of concern me, I still, I, look, I am having fun with Ryan O'Hearn and Aaron Hicks and even Josh Lester. It's awesome. I just kind of struggle to believe that they're all going to continue to produce for the rest of the season for a team that's trying to win the AL East I am still befuddled you and I did a show together like a week and a half ago uh, and we were talking uh, we we're two weeks ago at this point and we were talking then about Jordan Westberg and Colton Cowser. like I, I I at some point to me I you got to have these guys here to let them go through whatever struggles they're going to go through and, and figure that out to see if they can help you the rest of the way because I just can't count on this other group of guys definitively being the answers versus guys that are having, you know, really good months at this point.
4: Yeah, and, and again, I mean, we're seeing good stuff out of, out of O'Hearn and, and Lester and, you know, some of the other guys just kind of filling in. Um, and someone compared it and they said, you know, this is Chris Parmele in, in August or whatever month that was, you know, way back when, you know, the one year that he had like a good three and a half weeks. Yeah. Maybe it is that, um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It's not like these guys – and, again, I like Lester. I like O'Hearn. Um, it's not like these guys are going to be here for the long haul, you know. Again, I mean, we're seeing – and although he just got called up to AAA, but, you know, Kerstad is raking the ball right now. Kowser was put on this earth just to hit baseballs, and that's what he's doing. And, like you said, I, I, we said this two weeks ago, but every time I look at a box score, I, I look at the Tide Twitter account, it's like, oh, here's Jordan Westbury leading off the game with another home run. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's going to come down to crunch time soon. And I think, I, I, I don't know. I got I've saying that a lot today. I don't know what they're going to do because again, I mean, I, I think there's an easy answer for Kowser. I think there really is. Um, Westberg, it, it's, it's interesting because now you look up and Mateo has two hits yesterday and he stole, you know, a couple of bases over the last week. And now, right. you know, he's, he's looking a little bit better. So how do they fit all these guys on, you know, on, on the roster? I I don't know. I I mean, is it a a
0: trade or? I I think the answer is Mountcastle's the odd man out, right? Like if, if you're going to let Arias play first base and I, you know, we can have a conversation about whether that makes sense or not, but I feel like there is a spot available to bring up another bat at the moment, right? Like, I I just don't mm-hmm. know that any of us are committed to the idea that when Ryan Mountcastle gets back, he needs to be an everyday player at this point. And I and I like I hate saying that because I like Ryan Mountcastle, and I don't I don't want to try to pretend like he's trash. But at the moment, I I don't really know why you would want him in the lineup against right-handed pitchers.
4: Yeah, yeah, and and again, the, I mean the vertigo stuff with him is tough. I couldn't imagine trying to hit a major league baseball, let alone with Vertigo. Sure. So I mean, obviously, you know, you you hope that he, you know, he gets better because I mean that first three weeks of the season, he was I mean, he was unbelievable and he was kind of the guy carrying the team. Um and yeah, maybe, maybe a platoon thing when he gets back is is kind of the move. Maybe it's, you know, him versus lefties and then, you know, Orion O'Hearn, you know, versus righties. And like you said, uh Santander mixed in at first, Ramon at first. You know, I mean they they've got a ton of guys that they can put over there now. And, again, they're all hitting now, too. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation with Castle because, again, just of how quickly he kind of fell off and, and, and you know, has just looked, looked really bad and overmatched. And, again, it could be the vertigo and dizziness. And, and you hope that he gets better um, and, and back to a, a, a contributing part of this team. So, again, it's kind of a good problem to have. Like we, we said that a billion times on the radio a couple weeks ago, like, too many guys to play it's too many right. cooks in the kitchen right like, yeah sometimes way, it's kind of a good thing because yeah way again, better than what we've like, seen <laughs>
0: right
4: yeah like you, why can't J- jami jones come up like yeah. where right. where's and stuff like Let's that get some
0: more paul janish uh, in the world that's what everybody <laughs> has been asking <laughs> yeah. for i only thought of that because i saw he's doing a podcast with uh, what's his fa- uh, chris dickerson the two of them have a podcast together now <laughs> and what, like, what a world God, what a world! uh at @edd22 on twitter of course uh, barstool and obviously exit 52 you uh, anything you want to plug
4: um no just a happy fathers day to you and everyone and same, else same uh, to you this buddy weekend then i hope we can all take naps on the couch together or not together it's up to you your boy's gonna um, your boy will we'll watch
0: yeah your boy's got to work we'll and, and is baseball. definitely going to have to ma- make his own dinner afterwards there's no doubt that the way th- this ends with my wife informing me that we're grilling on sunday like that's and what she'll say is that's what you want, and I'll say you're right. Like she's yeah, not wrong. There we I, go. I do want that. It's just you know it's it's detrimental to the concept of Father's Day. Is all. Uh, appreciate you, buddy. Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna figure out. I'm gonna have Griffin hound you about this. You're coming in here. You're paying your price. We're not. We're, oh, we're doing this. It's going to happen. We'll
4: figure. We'll figure it out. We'll right. we'll figure something out. Right.
0: Love you, pal. Appreciate you. Thank you, boss. That's uh, Eric Arditi. Exit 52 in Barstow, with us here on GCR. Um, A few things that I haven't had the opportunity to get to today. Uh, Some news, by the way, related to John Morant. The NBA has handed down a suspension. We will talk about that. We'll talk about last night's soccer match. And uh, before we get out of here today, our buddy Dave Ginsburg is going to join us tell us about his uh, cover story in the new print issue of PressBox. So a lot still to come on a Friday edition of GCR.
5: The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsberg remembers Goose, as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation, and you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
1: The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com.
8: Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of
7: every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s
6: from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark.
0: Uh, Yeah, you perhaps have noticed there's no Stan the Fan today. Stan is out taking print issues around town today. He uh, was going to do that yesterday, but he wanted to go to the baseball game, and I can't blame him for that. So uh, Stan is out today. He'll be back with us next Friday. No worries there. Stan, if you need your fix, the good news is that he's done a couple of shows for you this week that you can enjoy at pressboxonline.com slash video. Last night, he and Gary Stein got together with the new chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority, Craig Thompson, to talk about taking on the role, obviously the future of the Camden Yards Complex, both the uh, baseball stadium and the football stadium, things that be coming in the future. Uh, All sorts of topics they covered last night with uh, Craig Thompson, the new Maryland Stadium Authority chairman. So you can find that right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the videos tab. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Uh, Yeah, John Morant, 25 games. That's the suspension. And the... Reaction from most people is really only 25. That's it. And I get that given his track record and given that, you know, he said it, uh, it was going to be different. And then given that he's just been kind of so bizarre, I also understand that the NBA knows that John Morant is kind of a star and is an attraction. And they they kind of have an issue with that, like the regular season is very difficult for the n b a, and I know it shouldn't work this way. It shouldn't be that you make these decisions based on someone's star power or what it is they bring to the league. but I guarantee that those partners down in Memphis of the league are saying to the commissioner, "Hey, like we get it, we understand, you got to do it, and we frankly, we want you to do it because we want this to end, but at the same time like need people to come to the games too like we we got to figure out what that is so you know I, if John Morant was I'm trying to give a more nondescript player at the moment if John Morant was um uh, Jake Lehman and I'm not trying to you know do that to Jake Lehman but you understand what I'm saying if John Morant was Jake Lehman would 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 he have gotten 25 games hmm, don't know I mean, I don't know how many people would have cared to begin with. I don't know how many people would have been, like, perusing Instagram, looking for, like Jake you know, Lehman's right. live. Yeah. Now, I, I would think that if he was brandishing a gun, then they probably would have found it. And I, Yeah. I, boy, this is so wrong to do to Jake Lehman. He's a really nice guy and would never, would <laughs> never be this guy. I actually feel terrible about this. But I, it was just a name that I came up with. Insert whatever name you want to insert here. Um, I... I would that be the case? Don't know. Don't know what the NBA would do. They might use that player as an opportunity to make a bigger statement and, you know, make, give him 50 games, something like that. But John Morant is the draw, and for a franchise that – So now
5: Jake Lehman's out there going, oh. Let's but- stop,
0: stop, stop. Let's stop doing this to Jake Lehman. <laughs> I got a gun on him. Only- stop it. Stop doing this to poor Jake. Good guy. He brings his own dinner with him. If
5: Max Struess is like, oh, only 25 minutes. Yeah, let's not
0: do this to any of these guys. Um, look, I, I don't really have a huge take on this. I don't. I I think if you heard me talking to Jeremy about it about a, a few weeks ago, I actually have a weird, like, I, I do have a weird feeling about it. I understand why you can't have players, you know, acting like this trying to act like gangsters and showing that and that being the example that they're setting. I completely get it. I also I also know that if another NBA player was an avid hunter and was out shooting a gun, I don't know what, like on video, I don't know what that penalty would be. And, and I'm not trying to say that to make an excuse. I, this is abundant... If you, if you just take that piece of video and cut it up and try to make it seem like I'm making some sort of apples-to-apples apples comparison, I know I'm not. But I don't know what the line is. And this is so unique that I don't know that there's precedent. So frankly, I don't know if they would have suspended John Morant for 50 games and he would have tried to fight it somewhere. I don't know what the result of that would be because we've got no precedent for this. John Morant's got to figure out who he wants to be as a human. Like he's got a bigger problem than the NBA to me has. John Morant is an incredibly fun to watch basketball player. I a year ago was enamored with John Morant. Man, I threw some money on him for MVP after that absurd dunk that he had. Um, I don't even remember who it was against. Well, there was the one that like it was just stopped the show. Um, I I love watching John Morant, but he's got to figure out what kind of human being he wants to be. And what his life is going to look like moving forward. And that's John ja Morant's thing. Like th- That's what the story is to me. And whatever the suspension was going to be, that's not going to change whatever he's got to figure out about himself. and And who he wants to be as a human. And what the value is for him to have whatever street cred he thinks he's getting from brandishing guns in videos... Versus the opportunity that he has to be a generational talent, a crossover appeal, multi-millionaire, I mean, he's already a multi-millionaire, I'm trying to think of a better way of saying it, of an extraordinarily wealthy human that can have value to other companies and be an asset in advertising, in promotion, in the business world, all of those things which given the generational wealth that these top NBA stars are making, they all have the chance to do. Kevin Durant is involved in the rebuilding of the Baltimore arena, which is a sentence that reads as a mad lib, but we've just sort of accepted it. It's not even all that big of a deal to us. We're like, right, yeah, that's the... Because they're that type of wealthy, that they can be involved in those types of projects. That's the opportunity that John Morant has if he wants it. And maybe he doesn't want it. I talk about this all the time with Javante Davis. Maybe John Morant's the type that, that just craves chaos. That's all he understands in life. Most people would say, given his upbringing, that doesn't really make sense. But maybe that's who he is as a human being, is that he can't function without chaos. I hope that's not the case. Maybe it's interesting that I'm talking about this as I've been watching um, Shameless. Where there's an awful lot, it's just, that's, that, those type of people, they have to have chaos. Like, chaos is their normal. If they don't have chaos, it's not right to them. And those people are real. We all have people like that in our lives. We all know those people. And I'm not even, it's not even really a judgment towards it. I understand some of it is, you know, mental health related, whatever, that you can't escape that. But, you know, I, I don't really care about John Moran. He's, he's nothing to do with me in any way, but... Just as on a, on a human level, I hope. Like I, I want to root for Javante Davis, so I say I hope that Javante Davis can can escape the chaos at some point. I, it doesn't really impact me in any way if John Morant does or does not. But for a human being, I hope he's capable of escaping the chaos. And I don't really have a strong take about whether or not the NBA failed with only giving right. him twenty five games because we just there's no precedent for this. There's no way for us to compare it to something else and say this is how we know. Do I think they probably gave him a special treatment? Yeah, I do. I do think that because he's a star, because an entire franchise is, it's it's necessary for them to have him on the floor and their partners with the league and their ownership. I, I do think all of that, but ultimately, I I also sort of don't know what would have happened if they would have handed down a. 50 or a, uh, a year long yeah i don't know like, that, that would have held up if john morant would have pressed against that and this is it's not like let's not pretend like 25 games isn't a significant chunk of the season it basically takes them out of consideration for MVP. you know like
5: yeah, or it does right with the new rules because you have to play 60 I, is that the number two games i think okay. it's 62 yeah
0: i don't remember yeah. it, so you might be right about yeah. that so it does it completely takes them out of consider it's not like this is nothing like let's not pretend like this isn't a large chunk of a season. That is, That would be wrong to do, too. Uh, I watched the soccer match last night. Obviously, it turned very ugly. Uh, It got just awful. And, you know, of all... I don't know what it is about soccer. I don't know what it is about CONCACAF. But, boy, there have been an awful lot of these over the years. To have the match end one nine-on-nine, and then have to be ended early still and suspended because of the, these homophobic chants. I, like, I, I just imagine projecting that in any other sport. Like, imagine if somebody said, hey, we weren't able to finish the uh, Game 4 of the NBA Finals because everybody was, you know, chanting the F word in the crowd. I, it, it would be the biggest story in the world. it's obviously it's gross and you know you can blame Mexican fans all you want like it's it's a problem that has existed throughout it's permeated through this sport for some time and hooliganism and um I mean it's just gross it's absolutely gross it it's a shame too because otherwise it's one of the great performances that we have seen in U.S. soccer history and I get it. It's the CONCACAF Nations League. And I know that Mexico has had problems for some time. And they're, if they haven't already, they're almost certainly going to sack their coach and move a different direction. And then on top of it all, it came in the shadow of the news that Greg Burhalter was going to return. Yeah. So it's sort of like the match was second fiddle to that story. It was just such a bizarre night. And it sucks because it would be fun to just come in and talk about the fact that they won 3-0. They won 3-0 and it was never really there was like a moment in the second half when they were up 2-0 where Mexico started to make a couple of moves and they were they were building a little bit. But outside of that, it was utter dominance. I mean it was complete domination from the U.S. Now they got to play a final without Dest and without McKenney, and against the Canada side that, if you've forgotten, was the top team in qualifying the last time through in CONCACAF, even above the U.S. and Mexico, and beat Panama 2-0 last night, and that won't be remotely easy on Sunday. It almost certainly will not be as chippy and gross as the Mexico match was last night, but now you got to do it without two of your best players. That stinks, and I, I get it, Weston McKinney... It was cheap what was done to him, so I can certainly understand his inclination to react, but it potentially cost them the opportunity. Like As good as this was, if they turn around and lose to Canada on Sunday, I don't know how much of a step forward we say it is for U.S. soccer. I think they got to win that one, too, in order to qualify it in that way. And that's going to be tough to do. Now, Christian Pulisic, I I... I was, in yeah, I, my, I was in my feels when he missed that early one. When he missed that one over the bar, wide open, it was Chris Wondolowski against Belgium all over again. And I was, like, every time someone tries to tell me that Christian Pulisic is not what we think he is, I allow myself to hear that and to say, you're right. We have anointed him as something that was never, act- there was never any actual proof. We know he's better. Like, we did this to Freddie Adu once upon a time. We know he's better than Freddie Adu. We understand that. But we are reminded from time to time that he isn't on the level of the greatest players in the world. He's just the best thing that the U.S. had. It's like Landon Donovan was never one of the best players in the world. He was a damn good player, and he was as good as the U.S. had, but he was never in the class of, you know, any the Thierry Henry's of the world. He was never even close to that. That was awesome to see, yeah. cre- p- specifically after the miss, to deal with that and then come back. And, I mean, the, the run to start the second half, everything about that play, was, sublime. Oh, my god, Sublime. That looked like high-level international soccer. That's the type of S that you see in the real countries. Like, the places where they actually care about soccer, they do that.
5: <gasps> I, was, I was mad because I missed it because it was literally a minute out of, out of halftime. I was panicked because I had been I, watching
0: upstairs, but I wanted to go downstairs mm-hmm. to watch the second half. And I, I went uh, to brush my teeth. I don't know why, but for some reason I decided like I would use halftime to brush my teeth. But you did it the last 30 seconds. Of I, I think I needed to poop. I think that's really <laughs> what it was. I think I needed to poop, and then I was in the bathroom, and anyway, I'm like, eh, while well, I'm here, I'll just go ahead and brush my teeth. And that right. way, when the match was, is over, I can go ahead and go to bed, right? Yeah. Like All's good. I can skip some of these parts. I swear to God, all of a sudden, I started having a panic. Like, oh, halftime might be over. I'm like... Flying down the stairs,
5: I decided to fill up my water. Uh, you know, right as, mm. as for that last break mm. between halftime and uh and, and and the start of the second half, and then I hear the hear them yelling. I'm like, what? There's no way. Ah. I missed something. It
1: was
0: unbelievable. Um, oh it was unbelievable. And then Pepe. Pepe, oh, Chef's kiss, Chef's kiss. But not great that they're gonna have to play this match on Sunday without these two dudes. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. no way of getting around it. These are two of their best players in McKenny and Dest, and that is rough to go into a game against a not only a quality side, but a side that really didn't have to go through the emotions of what the u s had to go through and this to them, the way that Mexico is always kind of the u s Super Bowl, like for Canada, this can be their Super Bowl. like this is their opportunity to make their grand statement that they are now the power in concacaf, and as silly as that might sound to us. They've got just enough in recent track record to back up the belief that if they were to win this match, they could make that statement. Mm -hmm. So,
5: you know. So I guess the details for the Burhalter deal are not out yet or really confirmed either?
0: No, it was a story from The Athletic that started this yesterday. But I believe there had been some like reporting. So someone else who was believed to be a finalist. God, this is going to be nuts. Someone else who was believed to be a finalist said they were out. Mm. Okay, um, so they
5: were kind of just doing a process of it. It kind of elimination, kind of thing. Yeah, it okay. kind of became
0: that. And then, and it, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that because I, I mean, uh, it was. Hang on, because Clint,
5: Clint, MC, and I forget who else was on that halftime panel that they had. But that you know they were talking about it, and they were you know defending Jesse, it. Jesse Marsh
0: was one of the, Marsh, the finalists, oh and Jesse Marsh said or apparently his agent told everybody. He job. was not going to get the job. And at that point, apparently, there was some reporting about how Greg Burhalter had been talking to other people. And it all kind of came clear that Greg Burhalter was going to get the job back. And this is a very tricky thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's a very difficult conversation to have because, and I've said this a million times, everybody complains about every U.S. soccer coach. There's never been a U.S. soccer coach that everyone said, well, he's doing a great job. Greg Burhalter accomplished the things that you were supposed to have him accomplish when he entered in the aftermath of you know one of the lowest moments in US soccer history and not making the previous World Cup. He got him there. He 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 was able to bring get, get commitments from players that had choices. Who was the guy uh, Bolligan last night? Yeah. You know was another one who 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 is now tied to the US moving forward. He had gotten a few of those other commitments over the years, and you could disagree with some of his tactics, or you could disagree with some of his lineups, or whatever you want to feel, but as far as reasonable expectations for what he was supposed to accomplish, kind of rebuilding U.S. soccer, you would largely say he did what he was supposed to do. They've been dominant against Mexico in recent years, right? It didn't start last night. Last night was the most dominant they've been.
5: They've allowed one goal in their last five matchups
0: um, against Mexico. And Mexico, had for years, been the bugaboo that had existed for the U.S. It, you know, he didn't get out of the round of 16. Well, I mean, that's, that's happened like twice ever in U.S. soccer history. I don't know if that's a reasonable way to measure an accomplishment for a U.S. soccer coach. Obviously, it was disturbing the story that we learned about, you know, the the beginning yeah. of his relationship with his wife. That's a disturbing story. I, I don't know what to make of that. I know I'm the guy that always says, like, that's the line I'll never cross. So if ultimately the U.S. had said, sorry, we didn't know about it. And once we learned about it, it kind of doesn't matter. You can never be the coach again. I would say, okay, okay, I understand that. I do think it's a bit more complicated than some of, you know, stories about, like, that are like this, but I'll never give it a pass. I'll never say, because it was a long time ago, because they work things out, anything like that. There's nothing that will ever give me a pass for any amount of abuse at all, ever. Like, that will never, ever, that is the line. So, by the way, did it never actually rain? I just looked out and it's it, sunny again. It, there
5: were drops on the window. It um, looked like hell. Yeah, it, it looked it, like wind, hellfire and brimstone. Right outside. when I think right when we called Bo, the wind really picked up, and like, I, I saw the dark. wind. Yeah, I just yeah. never remember seeing any actual. There were some rain. drops out there, and then it just kind of, I guess, blew over. I guess I don't know. I guess
0: I don't know. Really yeah. weird. Sorry. Yeah. I I know. I just completely. It's like a. It's like a shiny red yeah, I mean, object. Way- <laughs> What's what um. Uh, what is it from Up when the uh, the dog would see uh, ball. squirrel? Yeah, squirrel, squirrel. squirrel. That's what. Was. Like, that's exactly what that what that was for me in the middle of a sentence, <laughs> and all of a sudden I look outside. I'm like, wait, is it sunny again? It was black. It was black as a thousand nights. <laughs> what the hell happened there? And I don't remember it seeing it rain. If you're telling me it rained, it yeah. did. But well, You were just remember locked in on that bow conversation. I guess it was just so breathtaking that we couldn't get away from it. Um. I, I It's It's very complicated for me with Greg Berhalter. It really is because I also think it's shameful that he was blackmailed by Claudio Reyna. I think that's shameful. I, I think all of it is shameful. If at the beginning of this, Claudio Reyna had said to U.S. Soccer, I'm uncomfortable with Greg Burhalter being the coach because of, of, of this, this incident. incident, bless him. That's the right thing to do. That's clearly not what this was. This was blackmail related to Gio Reyna, and that's—Claudio imba- Reyna being a, a legendary figure within U.S. soccer, that's unbelievably shameful and embarrassing. Um, If it's Greg Berhalter, it's Greg Berhalter, I guess is what I would say. I, I you know— yeah. th-
5: so I guess Dempsey was kind of talking about is like should it be is it a four year contract or is it a two year contract and you're I, saying
0: don't commit to him through the next World Cup
5: essentially yeah and I, I is that really, even is that even reasonable I, and I guess or a what, what, what would do? the point of that being like if yeah.
0: my only bone of contention is the if incident, nobody else wants the job that's yeah, no, not that nobody else wants the job that's silly um you know I I I'm not gonna why's, pretend like well, I'm why is Jesse Marsh the only other name that. There were a we couple can, other names that
5: had come up, um, and I I apologize because I what, have not. I know there was like a video of like Tony Miola was like saying he he would coach, but like.
0: I mean, I think I'm sure there's lots of guys who would yeah. want the job, but who's actually qualified for the job? Why and, not Tony Miola? I, I don't know exactly. Again, this is where I have to step aside because yeah, I don't know yeah. enough about everyone's qualifications. Um, you know, somebody would say, well, they look pretty good. They look pretty inspired for BJ Callahan last hey, night. A good point, as Ma- well. Maybe let BJ Callahan have the team. And I'm not, again, I can't pretend to know enough about BJ Callahan to understand whether or not that would be a smart decision either. Um, you know, he's never been a, a head coach anywhere. Tony Mule is uh, only he coached the Jacksonville Armada, very poor. Record. Ah, the Jackson, very, the legendary Jacksonville Armada, who play in the, the NASL. The, okay, in sure 2016, sure uh,
5: he had a very poor record uh, in 18 games.
0: Is that the league that um, the Annapolis team is in? The NASL,
5: NASL is. Mm, hold on, let me see if I can find a list of the teams here. Is that the Annapolis? No, it is not the Annapolis. Okay. <laughs> the Virginia Cavalry would be the closest. They got the Puerto Rico Islanders, Puerto um, Rico FC. If you say
0: so. If um, you say so. Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Apparently, yeah, no. at one point Stephen Girard <laughs> was considered a, part, okay. a a candidate for the job. I I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I'm I'm sorry. I I just I can't I can't I can't pretend like this is an area of expertise for me, and we're going to end up sounding stupid in the process. I, my I, my only answer would be if it's Greg Berhalter, so be it. I don't think I don't think that anything that had happened soccer wise would have been warranted for for moving on from or for saying he was unqualified for the job. Results specific again, you can have your opinions about his lineups, you can have your opinions about his tactics, and I have thought at times that the U.S. needed to be a bit more aggressive. But I've also measured that. Like I remember talking to Kyle Beckerman about it. You have to measure that against who your personnel is. And I don't know that they had the personnel that they could play that style and find success with it. So from a sheer results standpoint, I don't know that Greg Burhalter has disappointed to me. I think he's done what could be reasonably expected from a soccer results standpoint. And because of that, if it's Greg Burhalter, I keep saying it, so be it. Um, try to continue on this path. Try to continue building. If last night is the sign of a u.s soccer that is going to be more aggressive that is going to be able to put up three goals against mexico you know i'm not going to count on there being regular displays of three goals against much of anybody but if there is a more aggressive style um okay you know like okay and i get it that they did that without greg berhalter so somebody might say maybe they wouldn't have done that if greg berhalter had been the manager i'm not i'm not sure again i Somebody who's a huge soccer fan is probably laughing at my analysis of this right now because all I want to <laughs> say is fun, and I say this is a guy who's about to start coaching soccer this fall. Yeah, well, you're yeah, coaching right. eight year olds, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm going to come up with I mean, a lot of, ta- f- lot of it tactics. It is fun to coach eight year olds.
5: Very ta- t- progress you're going to see yeah, from very, 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 end of very season.
0: tactical my uh, coaching. Uh, f- uh, uh,
5: f- for the record, at the NASL has folded; that league is no longer around. Uh, all the teams we'll have absorbed or folded. We'll always have the
0: memories though.
5: And the Naples Blues are in the NPSL
0: and are unbeaten. In Hell five, yeah! In five matches. Hell yeah! Love that. Let's bring some more championships home, baby. I'm all for that. I support the Annapolis Blues. I want there to be other, you know, area. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good for the state. It's, it's frankly, it's more valuable than the if there was a Baltimore PLL team, as we learned, because you wouldn't get any games out of it, or you get two. That's what you get. Yeah. All right, um, when we come back in, as I mentioned, Dave Ginsberg wrote the uh, cover story for the new print issue of PressBox about Tony Saragusa and his family trying to continue his legacy. So uh, we're going to talk to uh, our guy, Ginsey about that next. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The
1: All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com.
0: Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise, from the birds are coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports.
5: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsberg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation, and you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Press box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always
7: It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms.
6: If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Orioles playing another
0: afternoon game, and in fact, all games this weekend, afternoon games in Chicago, 2.20, 2.20, and 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, lineup today, Gunnar Henderson's at third, Adley Rutschman behind the plate, Santander's in right, Ryan O'Hearn is at first base, Austin Hayes in left, Aaron Hicks in center, Adam Frazier at second base, Ramona Rias is DH-ing today. today. a boy. Um, I mean, he's he's actually hit this season. Yeah. I'm not trying to say like he is, but like it's just weird that the the guy who's like known for his defense is your DH. That's just a little odd. Jorge Mateo is at short and batting ninth, and of course Cole Irvin makes another start today. He was pretty good last Saturday. It's certainly good enough that he earned uh, this start. But as we were talking about with Eric Arditi earlier, Grayson Rodriguez pitched very well for uh, Norfolk yesterday. By the way, I, we at some point we have to deal with. Norfolk, because I get you're not supposed to say Norfolk. I've understood that you supposed to be uh, Norfolk. Is what your
5: tweet was about. Yeah.
0: Norfolk is the way you're supposed to say it. But as I was watching the broadcast, there was definitely a commercial playing because they were they were basically airing the audio of a radio broadcast with video, and the rejoiner was going full like Norlands, like Nollins, Norfolk was the way the rejoiner sounded. Because I've accepted Norfolk at some point. But it, there they was They want. And Okay. And I've, there are a few cities. Nothic. Look, Baltimore is sneaky on this because. Towson. Yeah, Towson's just difficult. Like, people just struggle with pronu- the pronunciation of it in general. But it's not like. Lancaster. It's not a, a. Towson is not a town that we pronounce in an odd way. Like, you know, it, it's just that's the pronunciation of the town.
5: People will be like Townsend.
0: I understand, but that's just them butchering things. That's a completely different conversation. Just what I'm idiots. saying is there's is a group of there is a list of places where tell me you're not from here without telling me you're not from here. You can handle by just the name of the city and I've talked about this all the time. What we all know is Louisville does not exist in Louisville. <laughs> Louisville is a city that exists in Kentucky. But outside of that city, a city in Kentucky is called Louisville. It's very sneaky here because everybody would say, "Well, that's very easy. It's just Baltimore." Well, unless you live here, in which case you know there is no T in Baltimore and it's pronounced Baltimore. That's the way it goes, and we all do it and such is life. Baltimore you mean? No, that's that's, you know, the really grotesque accent. But the average person around here says Baltimore. That's just it's not hard. There's no T. We all do it. It's the way it goes. Um, I was trying to go over the list, and in fairness, John from Little Rock brought up New Orleans, and yes, like there, it's Nolens, it's New Orleans, whatever you want to say. It's not New Orleans, or New Orleans, or whatever you want to call it. But Norfolk, 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 whatever you want to say, we got to figure it out at some point and just stick with it. But it is very high on the list of, tell me you're not from here without telling me you're not from here. And I was reminded of that as I was watching the broadcast. It will be interesting to see after a strong start for Grayson Rodriguez yesterday, like what the rope is for Cole Irvin. If, for example, Cole Irvin struggles today and with the Orioles not needing a fifth starter until at the earliest next weekend, it would be interesting to see if they would make the flip back to Grayson Rodriguez. But if Cole Irvin pitches well today, presumably he gets to pitch, keep pitching and stay in the rotation until... He proves otherwise, so we will monitor that uh, as the Orioles play this afternoon against the Cubs. As we mentioned a couple of times, there is a new print issue of Press Box that is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. On the cover, you see the late, great Tony Siragusa, the headline, Remembering Goose. And our next guest was tasked with the assignment of reflecting a year later on the legacy of tony saragusa here in baltimore and how his family is keeping that legacy alive joining us now he is our friend longtime ap baltimore sports writer semi-retired and enjoying his life he is our friend dave ginsburg and he's back with us now here on gcr ginsey it's glenn it's always great to catch up my friend how are you I'm um, good, and you're my man, Glenn. Appreciate Always glad you. to hear your voice. I appreciate you, dude. It is great to talk to you, and I really appreciated the story that you did. Um, you know, Gins, I, I think what was interesting to us as we were you know, d- discussing the idea of doing this story was, I, you know, I got a producer in here who's 23, 24 years old. I don't even remember which one it is off the top of my head. It's fine. It's It doesn't matter. He's that age. And I think when people watched Bullies of Baltimore, they saw... Hall of Famer Ray Lewis, Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp, Hall of Famer Rod Woodson, Hall of Famer Ozzie Newsome. And if you weren't alive to understand it, you'd be confused why the star of that film would be the guy that played in Baltimore for five years and never made a Pro Bowl. And yet, unquestionably, the star of the film was Tony Saragusa. And those of us that lived it know why. And I feel like that was such a unique thing for a younger generation to try to understand why this player, who wasn't a Hall of Famer, who wasn't one of the greatest players of an era, was such a beloved figure within this city.
9: Well, absolutely. And, yeah, was he, was he a Ray Lewis? No, but as Kyle Richardson pointed out, uh, I think that Goose was the, the glue that held that team together. His, his little, He had sense of humor. He took the pressure off. And, man, he was a hell of a player, too. He, mm-hmm. was, he helped make Le- Ray what he was by opening up those holes with Sam Adams and, you know, a great guy and a, a great football
1: player, really.
0: Uh, there, I, I, it's, it's good of you to point that out, Dave. Like, Let's not try to make it seem like he was a nothing as a football player either because he was a hell of a good football player. Um, but his personality obviously was larger than life. And, and, Dave, one of the things that I talked about when he passed was I, I don't know that people of a certain age can understand the disconnect that existed um, in this city with the return of football and that there was a level of discomfort from a lot of fans about embracing a team that had been kind of stolen the way that their team was stolen once upon a time. And th- the role that Tony Siragusa played in making this city fall in love with this team I don't know that we'll ever be able to quantify that directly.
9: Well, you're absolutely right. That was that was a once in a lifetime team. And and remember, built upon defense, I mean your Super Bowl quarterback was was Trent Dilfer. And not great, but that defense was something. And yes, I do remember I covered the Ravens since their inception. And in ninety-six, people felt guilty about having the Cleveland Browns shoot up in Baltimore because that's how, how badly they felt about Indianapolis stealing their team. And they didn't want to be that, that guy that stole a football team. But it took a while, and with with a lot of help from Goose, who was all over the neighborhood mm-hmm. promoting football, the Ravens, uh, being a good person, uh, I, yes, it, it turned around right about that year.
0: No, nah, there's no question. He was. It was like he was John the Baptist going out around town and saying, we, we love us. Come support us. Come be a part of this thing. I want to give you a hug. I, I I'm going to strangle you too, but I'm going to give you a hug and strangle you at the same time. Uh, which well, funny we you
9: bring was. up the hug, if you noticed the, if you remember, the lead was the fact that he used to hug the life
0: yep, out of his daughter. daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so, it, 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 I want to get that from you. Dave Ginsburg is with us here in GCR. Again, this issue is available right now. Um, you obviously you knew Tony. You covered him. You were very part, much a part of all of this. But in doing this story, I I talked to Sammy a couple months ago, and I I was in tears talking to Sammy about Tony. Um, what were those conversations like for you, and 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 the impact that he had as a dad, and why it's so important for his family to continue what it is they're doing with the the Goose Flights program?
9: Well, good point, Glenn. When I talked to Sammy for the first time, uh, she and I tried to convey that I just there was one point where I just said her voice cracking with emotion because it was and she was she had a tough time you know talking about how much Tony meant to her how much dad meant to her and that was you know and I tried to make that 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 was really the focus of the story that's that was how I led it but you know Tony was great to everyone around him most notably but his family and he was a family man and you know when Sammy read my story she's he said it brought her to tears and that made wow. me feel good and bad at the same time. But I tried to convey what, what he meant to his family, what he meant to Baltimore, what he meant to his teammates. And the fact that he, he went out of his way and goose flights was a major focal point of the story that he wanted to give, give, you know, give to the community, give to former players who needed a flight, um, handicapped kids, veterans. Uh, the guy was just really, he gave himself to everyone around him with and selfish and unselfishly as well. So, I mean, a lot of emotion in writing that story, a lot of emotion talking to Sammy, uh, her, um, his son as yep. well, yep. Uh, all of them really, you know, and, and it's, and it's been a year and time's not going to heal that wound, but uh, I would hope that uh, the story would, would help them understand how much Tony meant
0: not just to them, but to everyone around him. I, I think into this entire city, uh, like th- that's the part. This this city, there's a love affair. I I said a couple times, Dave. I, I I sort of understand, right? Like I, you know, being a little bit younger, I never saw Art Donovan play, but I grew up knowing damn well who Art Donovan was, and with him being a significant part of my father's life and my own life, uh, to a lesser extent, and I don't know that community impact relationship that we've had the the closest thing that we've had to art donovan to me in the ravens era is by far and away tony saragusa
9: well without question there i mean and you know art donovan was on carson and and shows like that and goose could have done the same thing and his huge personality was one of the reasons why they wanted him to be on the sopranos yep and i made a
0: point of note that skins that it was he, my favorite story he, you know. my favorite anecdote in your entire story I, and i and i don't i don't want to just give it away cuz i want people to read it but like we all know that like he was on the sopranos but the story i had never known that he had the opportunity for a larger role and just kind of decided it was more important to him to be a dad which hell makes me love the guy even more yes totally
9: and and the thing was is and yeah, not to give it away, but just that one little one was, you know, uh, Italy, I hear Italy is great in May. So he <laughs> wanted to go that month and it, he wasn't going to put it off till June because that's the month he told his family he was going and he did. And, you know, the heck with his Sopranos, which he got on anyway, yep. so good for him. And, and, you know, back to your point about Art Donovan, he was just, you know, Art Donovan was football and personality, uh, exactly what. Tony Siracusa was football and one heck of a personality that stretched beyond the football field. He was he was funny everywhere he went.
0: Yep, and uh, and did so many things. And some of those stories are known, right? Of of his generosity and some of them. And you know, you alluded. I think uh, the the Fernando the Fernando Smith story has become more and more known over the years. Just uh, just unbelievably thoughtful. Just in, in, someone who was willing to step up and do not just the right thing, but go above and beyond to try to take care of people that he loved.
9: Well, I left out one story and I, I don't mind saying it, but Sammy told me about the time they went to the Costas Inn before the filming of 30 for 30. And, uh, they, they were eating crabs and, Tony saw a guy walk in with work boots and he just sat by himself eating and he just, he pointed it out to his family. You know, look at this guy. He had a great day of work and now he's rewarding himself with some, with a dinner, uh, just enjoying himself, doesn't eat. And Tony picked up the check and without, you know, without any fanfare, just told the, uh, the owner of Costas, uh, Hey, I'm going to pay for this guy. Uh, He deserves it. So, you know, just uh, that's, that's what he would do. And, you know, did was that a, you know, were the cameras there? No. He no. just did it because he's Tony Saragusa.
0: Man, uh, this is, uh, this. I, I would tell you all, it's uh, this weekend, with it being Father's Day, I would encourage you, go pick up this issue. And when you get together with your dad on Sunday, hand it to him and let him read this story because it's a really, really beautiful story about an athlete I have no doubt that your dad loves. And uh, it's a really great story about a father. It's a really great story. About the love that he has for his kids, uh everything good with the speed? They, yeah, go ahead, Dave
9: no, no, just and the and the love they had for him, yeah, um I you know don't want to talk too much about it, but uh, there's a point in in that story where it points out how he remains close to their hearts, yep, and uh you know, um I you know what, Glenn, that was a a really nice story for me to write uh dan and and Luke gave me uh two months to get it done. So I made all the calls I needed to do, including Kevin Byrne, yep. uh, who gave me some great stuff. And then, you know, that one was great when he just uh, uh, Kevin Byrne. Thanks, Tony, for all from bringing his name up uh, on that 3030 30 filming. And what Tony said back to him was
0: class. So perfect. Oh, that you know what? <laughs> I, I know I said the Sopranos one was my favorite anecdote, but that when we talk about Tony wanted to hug you and strangle you. The the <laughs> Kevin Byrne story is the perfect encapsulation of how he would hug you and strangle you in the same moment. It was just it, and smiling. Correct, and, and but that was how he told you he loved yeah. you, right? Like it, it, saying, "God, I, I I can't I can't give it away." Um, saying what he said was exactly how Tony Saragusa told you that he loved you, and I think that there are a lot of people who have similar family situations where. If I'm not busting your balls, that's the moment that you know that I'm not, I don't love you, right? Like, the way that I tell yeah. you that I love you is by busting your balls. And that's exactly what Tony yeah, said. And,
9: and Benny Thompson said the same thing, you know, how he. he no one was spared. Absolutely no one was spared, including, uh, including most notably the kickers who got all oh. of it. Oh, but, uh... no doubt,
1: no
0: <laughs> doubt. I, you know, Stover's told some great stories over the years about, you know, go make this, yeah, ev- well, go S- make this Evan kick or S- I'll S- kill S- you. S- yeah, yeah,
9: that's right. And uh, Stover was the butt of his uh, one of his jokes on on the field, uh, as I pointed out. No doubt,
0: uh, Dave, you did a one, I, and unsurprisingly, and it was why I was so happy that you were d- willing to do the story. You did an incredible job. It's exactly. Uh, what we were hoping for and and I think that um, people are really going to love reading this story and uh, continuing to celebrate an, an incredible person and someone who made such an impact in our community despite the fact that they'll never see a, a bust in uh, canton or anything like that I'm really glad I'm really glad that you took this on and I'm grateful for you my friends
9: great words uh, really appreciated Glenn that means it does mean a lot to me uh, that you're saying that because You know, I I took pride in that story and the fact that um, it was what everyone wanted, most notably you, sir, makes
0: me very happy. I love you, brother. Happy Father's Day to you, man. Enjoy your weekend. Let's talk again soon, all right? You've got it, my friend. Take care now. It's Dave Ginsberg who wrote our cover story. I get emotional myself. You might be seeing that on camera right now. I get emotional myself talking about Tony Saragusa, and, um, you know, being a dad. And this story is very much a... This is a Father's Day story. Ironically, that wasn't the intent. Like, we weren't thinking to ourselves, this is going to be on stands on Father's Day. Because it's going to be on, you know, stands for the rest of the summer. So it'll go well past Father's Day. But this is a perfect Father's Day story for this Sunday. I, I couldn't ask for a better Father's Day cover story to be on stands right now. It is... Grab it today show it to your dad and sit back and let your dad read it and tell his own stories. It's perfect. It's perfect. Dave did an, an excellent job and I'm thankful for that because it was, um, you know, we we all have our own things that we pitch when we get together for meetings as an editorial board here at PressBox and, you know, this wasn't one that I was like forceful about but it was one that in the aftermath of watching the 30 for 30 and talking to Sammy that I felt was worthy and and when you, when it, I, in a little bit, it's, it becomes your baby in that way, even though it wasn't going to be me who was doing the story. I'm, uh, I'm grateful for Dave. I'm grateful that uh, Dave took that upon himself, and he was a perfect choice for that. So uh, appreciate him taking a couple minutes for us. Let's wind down for the week. Uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, interesting
5: stat that came from WTF Stats yesterday. Oh, um, oh. it was called it. So in the last, or in the twelve of the last thirteen years, either the Heat or the Warriors have been in the NBA Finals, and in none of those years did they face each other.
0: Oh, that's wild. That is wild. Yeah, that is really wild. Now I got to remember what. Oh, what was the finals that didn't have either one of those? Team. Oh, uh, Suns, uh, correct, uh, yes. Suns, Bucks yes. in yeah.
5: 2021. Uh, so also, I missed this yesterday, but yesterday was the anniversary of on this day in 1938. Reds pitcher Johnny Vandermeer, he became the first and only pitcher in yeah. MLB history to have to throw two consecutive no hitters. Right, correct. He beat the Dodgers. Uh, at Ebbets Field that day, and then four days earlier, uh, wasn't there the someone
0: brace. in the last ten years who threw a no-hitter and then s- like started the next game pretty was it well? Valdez, maybe that Parker like that, like you were like, at least paying attention yeah, to yeah, it.
5: It was a combined. He he started a combined no-hitter. I think is that what it was? With for the at- like that was like the last year, or two years ago, no, wasn't it? No, I don't. I don't know if that's. What and so he threw
0: a no-hitter and then you're saying the second game. Well, I think he's. St- I think like he started a no, combined. Somebody somebody threw a no-hitter and then. It might have only been three innings. It might, you know, it might have, but it was enough.
5: Ah, God. Um, maybe it wasn't Farmer right. He threw 25 consecutive. Um,
0: let me Start see after here. No hitter. This is the, oh, th- it was the con- captivating it was part of the show <laughs> where we're just looking things up on the internet.
5: 25 consecutive quality starts was last year. Uh, that's um, not what I'm, I just could have sworn Farmer it. It. was just, was like no hitting, though. Had like a no hit bid there for a while. Eh. But I think I, I remember what you're talking about. Right, um, whatever.
0: Whatever. We'll find it another day. We'll share it with no one. We'll share it with no one.
5: Johnny Vandermeer is yes, the, uh, back is the back. stat here. Correct. Uh, that is, is So yesterday, the 3-0 over Mexico uh, was the largest margin of victory for the U.S. in a competitive match against Mexico ever. 3-0. Uh, the U.S. is now unbeaten in their last six matches versus Mexico, tying their longest streak in team history. And then Pulisic, he became the fourth player in U.S. men's national team history with five or more multi-goal games, joining these three gentlemen. Uh, Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey has six multi-goal games for the U.S. men's national team.
0: You said there's three?
5: Yes, three. Well, so Pulisic was the fourth. Right. So, yes, three. Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan has nine. That is the most in U.S. men's national team history.
0: Joe Max Moore? Not Joe Max Moore. That's a little surprising. Um, Alexi Lawless. Not Alexi. <laughs> Most multi goal games. It's going to be somebody random like Josie Altador.
5: It is indeed. Josie Altador seven such multi-goal games. Oh, There'd be so the many moments. There'd be
0: so team. many moments with Josie Altador where you're like, "This dude is <laughs> a specimen. Like, this is the guy." <sighs> just, just would not.
5: Can I do pass. another one for you? Sure. Uh, Otani hit his 11th no doubter yesterday. I mean, it was uh, his
0: second deck, wasn't yeah,
5: it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he has hit 11 of his 22 home runs, tied for the league lead. By the way, also leads the league in batting average against with one like like 170 something. So he is leading the league in batting average against, as well as home runs. Just uh, you know, kind of kind of wild. Okay, I mean, I, I, everything yes, Shohei does. That's obviously. pretty
0: nuts. I don't disagree with that, uh, but we so just it, also kind of <laughs> accepted it, right? Like.
5: So a no doubter, obviously being a home run, that would be a home run in all thirty parks. Ah, yes. In house. So uh-huh. so I got the idea from ESPN stats, but like there's varying stats. I'm gonna use Baseball Savant here and uh, Statcast. Uh, so he is tied for the most no doubters this season. There are ten guys with eight or more no-doubter home runs. I want to see if you can name the other nine on this list. I know he's hurt, but I'll still say Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is just outside only seven no-doubters. See, the Yankee Stadium.
0: Yeah. It's a sham. It's a joke.
5: Uh, the guy, number one on this list. Uh, so, Pete, so, actually, sorry, he's tied for second. Oh, Shohei is Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo is on this list. He has
0: eight. I'm really just going to name guys that have hit a lot of home matches, runs. because yeah. I, don't, I don't. really. Number one you'll never get. I'll never get number one. You'll never get number Great. one. Uh, Kyle Schwarber hits bombs, doesn't he? He does hit bombs,
5: but he has not hit uh, eight no-doubters this season. Where is Kyle Schwarber on this list?
0: How about... Only
5: five no-doubters.
0: How about Jordan Alvarez? He
5: hits bombs. He does hit bombs, but not eight of them this season. Okay. How about...
0: How about
5: Ronald Acuna? Ronald Acuna, of course, tied with Otani and this fellow Brave teammates for 11. Uh, Matt Olsen. Matt Olsen, yes. Shohei, Matt Olsen, Ronald Acuna, all 11 no-doubters. Uh, Devers? Rafael Devers is on the list. Eight no-doubters this season.
0: How many more do I have to get?
5: One, two, three, okay. four, five, and then the one you'll never get.
0: Five more? Yeah.
5: We're doing the whole top ten? Yeah, we're doing the whole top okay, ten. S- of course. These guys are... Because there's uh, like six guys with eight s- no-doubters.
0: How about uh, uh, he hit a bomb? Salvador Perez hit a bomb the other day. He
5: does. He hits a lot of bombs. Eight of them, no doubters this season for Salvi Perez. How about
0: uh, Mookie Betts?
5: Not Mookie Betts. I said Soler. Jorge Soler is uh, tied, or he is in sole possession of third most ten no doubters this season. Ten of his twenty home runs. Trout. Mike Trout not on the list. He's having actually. Well, he's he's got seven no doubters. Okay, <laughs> only 14 home runs. let to say he's having a bad season. Is that yeah, what you're well, about to say? Because he's on my fantasy team, and he's kind of in you know. Well, he's I did like I think I he's saw the other day. He was only hitting yeah like 250. Yeah, I was I like, mean, what the
0: hell is that? He's
5: still OPSing like 800. Well, and plus.
0: Manny Machado's only hitting about 250 too, right? Yeah. Machado. Not Machado. I don't even know. If he's hit eight home runs this season. He hit one last night. I know that. Um, Machado. Um, Bobichette
5: Bobichet, and not in the Italian. only four no doubters for Corbin Beau. Carroll. Not Corbin Carroll. Not Um, sure I'm going to get these other guys. All right, Guy on the Twins. Guy on the Twins. Guy on the Guardians. Twins. Guy on the Twins. Guy on the Cardinals.
0: Guy on the Twins. Guy on the Guardians. Jose
5: Ramirez. Jose Ramirez, yes. He has the highest percentage of no-doubters. He has eight no-doubters. Only ten home runs on the season. Eight of his ten home runs have been bombs. Interesting. Um, Arenado? Arenado is the Cardinal. No doubters. I'm really glad because I was going to
0: really struggle with who it was if it wasn't Aaron Auto. I'm You're not kidding. Goldie. Oh, yeah. It could have been Goldschmidt, yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't even know. Um, and then he said the Twins? Yes. <laughs>
5: uh, why am I struggling with the Twins these days? Also a high percentage, seventy. Is it Joey Gallo? It is Joey Gallo. Okay, right. Eight of his 11 all right. have all been no doubters. And then number one on this list, 12 no doubters, 12 of his 15 home runs for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Jack Sawinski. I don't even know who that is. Jack Sawinski. I've never heard of He's this He's an outfielder for the for the Pittsburgh If Pirates. you say so. And uh, 12 No Doubters leads Major League Baseball, according to StatCast in Baseball savant.
0: I've never heard of Jack Sawinski. I'm not kidding.
5: I hadn't <laughs> heard of him until this year first, either. I mean, like, <laughs>
0: not till this year. Till this moment. <laughs> this moment was the first time I've heard of Jack Sawinski.
5: Jack Sawinski. I mean, I mean. I'm looking at it Did he play hearts. when
0: the Orioles played the Pirates earlier this year? Why do I not mm-hmm. recognize that name? He
5: but might not have. He
0: might not have played. When did we play the Pirates? That,
5: that was, was like a May. Like was a, that like
0: middle a, May? Yeah, hang on a second. Orioles Pirates box score. Like I don't even remember that like name coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Jack Yeah. <laughs> it is possible he might not have played cuz think he
5: might have been hurt for like a week or two. Jack. Jack no, he played. He, he did. He played <laughs> okay. in the
0: uh, Sunday game. He had two walks and scored a run and it was one for two with two walks. I don't know why I don't remember that.
5: Jack Sawinski. If you
0: would Mashes If baseballs. you would ask me, if you would ask me to name pirates, I would have come up with Reynolds, McCutchen, Key Bryan. All oh, right, Key Bryan Hazy, yeah, I would have come up with him. And Santana's there, right? Like, yeah, he is. Yeah, Santana's there. That might be the end of the list. <laughs> that um, might have been the last pirate. You said McCutchen, right? I did say yeah, McCutchen. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that I could. Have Mitch named Keller, him. obviously, we know him. Well, but he's a, a pitcher. I mean, like, you, if you would ask me to name guys that hit home runs. Those would have been the four that I think I could have come up with at that point. Tubular brought to you by Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Head there now. Get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first five dollar bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressboxOnline.com slash offers. Here's what's coming up this weekend. Totally tubular-wise Orioles Cubs today, 220. On Masson 2, for some reason, it's an afternoon game, why wouldn't they just put on, there no it's not, <laughs> whatever, uh, Cole Irvin, Kyle Hendricks, the pitching matchup, and again, good news, uh, actually good news for the entire weekend, if you live elsewhere, every game on national TV this weekend, oh. uh, because today and tomorrow are both on MLB Network, and then Sunday's Peacock, we'll get to that um, but MLB Network for uh, today and tomorrow. Tomorrow also at 2.20. Cal Gibson against TBA for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they've announced it today, but this morning they hadn't. Uh,
5: Fangraphs is projecting. Uh, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Justin
0: Steele. Justin Steele. Is the projected starter. Sure. And then uh, Sunday is on Peacock, at, but it's not a breakfast game. It's 1 o'clock. So noon Central Time, but I thought the point of the Peacock games was to have them like, like happen prime time, well you bef- know, before their own t- right before any other game was on. I don't know what that's all about. Sunday one o'clock. Is it like because of golf? Like why? Uh, why I mean, golf's on TV. Yeah, I I don't
5: like. Know. Well, like is golf on? Yeah, whatever.
0: Oh, are you saying is there an exclusive week window on Peacock for golf, and then it moves or to? like
5: or NBC? I, yeah, I guess no, cause it I guess starts on you not on NBC. Yeah. What do you mean? Like the yeah, the Orioles aren't on NBC. I guess I was no, they're, they're not on, on NBC.
0: NBC. They're only on Peacock yeah. on Sunday. They're on NBC that one time. Right, correct. For, for whatever reason, that was the only Peacock game that was also on NBC. The demand of <laughs> Orioles Braves was just so overwhelming that they had to get it on NBC as well. Uh, but Sunday one o'clock, Dean Kramer and Jamison Tyon. on it is on Peacock. I guess it's possible that they have like an exclusive Peacock window for the U.S. Open in the morning, but that would be. Oh, that would be like 7 a.m. I, yeah, it's like L.A. It's time. They can just add another stream.
5: That's I don't. I don't. Yeah, so it makes no sense. Whatever.
0: Anyway, uh, some other highlights of the weekend: the College World Series gets underway. Uh, games on ESPN today. TCU or Roberts. Roberts? Sure, why not? Go at two, well, let's go. We uh, I love Oral, and then uh, Florida Virginia tonight at seven. Uh, that's throughout the weekend. Um, the soccer continues on Sunday with the uh, Paramount Plus. The Concacaf Nations League third place match, uh, Mexico and Panama at six. The championship is uh, the U.S. and Canada at eight thirty, and I believe they're also both. Yes, they're both on Univision as well. If you want to watch the Spanish broadcast and not sign up for Paramount Plus, is that although they were offering you, you a free trial? No, they were okay. Literally, I
5: still, I still get like a student. I wasn't sure if I still had it, but I still get like a little student discount. For oh, that's Paramount nice. Plus I
0: uh, my son got a free trial last night. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, it's, it's what it is. I'm you. You can tell me I should be ashamed, but I'm not ashamed. No reason. To I'm be, no. not doing that. Uh, U.S. Open coverage continues. Uh, uh, getting on uh, USA starting in about 15 minutes at 12:30 today, and then it moves to NBC tonight at seven. Tomorrow, uh, U.S. Open coverage uh, begins at three on NBC. That's the only TV coverage on Sunday. TV coverage at one on USA, and then it moves to NBC at three, of course. Not like other tournaments where the coverage is at three because this is the West Coast so the leaders won't tee off for a little while after that and uh, we'll very much move into prime time on Saturday and Sunday. I feel like like as a country do we embrace Ricky Fowler? like yeah, do we he's say a, we want he's him a cool guy? like he seems likable <laughs> right like he's he's always been kind of fun and yet he's always come up small and the like he's he was for a little while he was perennially in like the top ten of every major championship. And then that kind of fell off, and he kind of fell. Off. He didn't even qualify for the U.S. Open last year. I feel like we're Jeez. supposed to root for Ricky Fowler. I feel like if you care, look, it's easy for me to say because I'm not going to care. I, I, I well, will watch I, the my priority. Well, I can't even watch the Orioles because I got to do the show on Sunday. I will. I don't know what I'm going to do, frankly, but I'll definitely watch the soccer. Phone. The soccer will be my priority. I might have the U.S. Open on. Like if I'm grilling on Sunday, there's yeah. a chance I'll put it on the phone and. Like, not um, really be watching as much it, as like aware of it. I
5: had a $5 free bet, so I threw it on Max Homa to make it interesting for myself. Because he's like the bro dog. He's yeah. the one that ever. He's 35 to 1. So, like, it'll. So well, How'd how he do? Yes. He's minus two right now. So okay. he's tied for.
0: Remember, remember when Drew. 16th, remember right when Drew was like, I think the winner will be around like six to eight under. And they were there. Eight under on day one. On day one. There were two hole in ones. Again, <laughs> here, look at me talking golf and soccer today. <laughs> Here's where I got all my expertise. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. You want to talk about the Boss Open? Francis Tiafo was a winner today. He's going to face uh, yeah in the semifinals tomorrow, it's and Fuksovich. hopefully, I like yeah, Fuxovic. Fuxovic beat uh, uh, Fr- Taylor Fritz today in the semifinals. Hubie Herkoc is still in that, so like it's not a guarantee that Francis is going to win, but a That's good Herbert, up. right? Yeah, Herbie Hancock. Ugh, a lot of people go to college for seven years. Herbie oh. Hancock. All right, what do you got? Extraction Two, the movie. Uh,
5: Extraction One, of course, with uh, Chris Hemsworth just doing you know random badass stuff. Uh, um, it I did you. I guess you never watched Extraction One. I sure didn't. No, well, Chris Hemsworth obviously is a cool guy, movie star. That's uh, that's out on Netflix. It's Extraction Two, if uh, you say it's so, is out today. Uh, it's like a cross between like Mission Impossible and like John Wick, but like obviously not as good as either. Um, okay. <laughs> It, you know you're I'd really do, selling you it, it,
0: it for me dog yeah, it's
5: extraction too uh disney admit. plus is gonna have a stan lee documentary just called stan lee
0: now that yeah as you as everyone knows the greatest day of my life was when said it's and it's stan lee true. said you're a hell of a good interviewer and i probably should honest that to should god be the open to the in show. hindsight you know what we i guess we work on that
5: okay can you send me the
0: have, Have you, you track- it to me? We already? can track it down. Okay. We can track. Yeah, I think I emailed it to you at one point I because every time, Stan- every time Stan, every time comes up, uh, play this <laughs> a thousand percent. Because and by the way, if you were me, you would do the exact same yeah. thing because it's Stan Lee saying you're a hell of a good interviewer. Oh, every time I think about it, my heart flutters a little bit. There was never a moment in my life. I, you know, how many times I've had to lie and say that it was better getting married. You know how many times I've had to lie and said that it was more exciting the days that my kids were born? (laughs) I should take that back, but I'm not sure that I'm going to.
5: God, do you have it? I think so. Okay. He is
0: the man. Stan Lee now joins us here on WNST. Thanks, and you're a hell of a good interviewer. I I I enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate that, Stan. Oh, God, I stepped over him, too. What the hell is wrong with me? He was wrong on top of everything else. I was a good interviewer. God, we got to do something with that. Okay, got to do something with that. Oh, it's the greatest moment of my life.
5: Uh, the only other things: uh, Eric Andre show, of course. Chanel West Coast will be. Love that there. crisp
0: AM radio audio, by the way.
5: <laughs> uh, new new episode of The Idol on HBO. The Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, that's
0: the that's the one. That's the headline of the weekend. Is the Gemstones idol. is back. Uh, no. The Righteous
5: Gemstones. I, the, the, idol. Idol. I like, the Idol.
0: Gemstones is back this weekend, baby. It we is. finally have real television again David on Sunday. McBride, Adam Devine. So that's. I got I, What time is that? that'll be
5: right after the idol at 10 p.m. that's going to be awkward because the soccer match won't be over by then. Yeah, you're right. And I don't well, You don't have to watch I, it live.
0: No, but I don't think they put it on I think
5: they at least with the uh what was it? I already forget the name of the show that was the uh the last of us. That that was out like on HBO Max right th- away.
0: At ten o'clock, at, it was a, yeah. It was available.
5: I would because I would like I know would, you can
0: would, stream it live on HBO at Max at nine, 10 o'clock.
5: and then I would like watch it at like ten, and it was there.
0: That's a different conversation. Okay. I like I, I feel like i I've watched it. It could it could work out though that it's time, available. So. Like if the soccer match ends at ten thirty, that at eleven I could watch Gemstones, and I could be good because I'm going to watch Gemstones on Sunday night. This is Gemstones is. I know that we are all obsessed with Succession, and Succession was brilliant television but Gemstones is the most joyous show. Uh, by the way, my buddy Aaron Oster from Jobbing Out has a theory that if you really cut it down, it's basically the exact same show. And As, as Succession? it's He's kind of really? not wrong, except there's one, gen- the Tom Wamsgams of Gemstones is named BJ, and he's actually likable, whereas Tom Wamsgams was not, at no point were we supposed to be rooting for Tom Wamsgams but in like some stupid way, we started rooting for Tom Wambsgans. Maybe in part because his name was Tom Wambsgans. Um, B J is the Wambsgans of Succession, and he's genuinely likable. And and maybe we're not. Maybe we would look at it and say there's no real reason why he's likable either. He's just again the least awful of all the characters. But he's cousin Greg was the least awful. We we th- no, it's not true. He was pretty awful. Let me take that back. Who was the least awful? Jerry, I guess, was the least awful on Succession. Um, They're all awful. Everybody on Gemstones is awful, but my God, they're amazing. Oh, Gemstones is perfect. Walking Such Dead, perfect Dead movie. City. No one cares about premiere.
5: that. Another spinoff. Sure, why not? It's, I mean, I, they're calling it a series Melt. premiere. But
0: F, F that that cow as long as you possibly can, or F that pig. I mean, pig. might as well. Why not? Anything else? Uh, no, that is it. All right, very good. Thanks today to Dave Ginsberg. Thanks to Bo Smolka and our buddy Eric Arditi. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my God, it's so good! Tab at I think our buddy Jim Henneman is going to come hang out with us in studio on Monday. Uh, living legend Jim Henneman, uh, I believe, is going to be hanging out with us on Monday. He sent me a note this week that he enjoyed my Q and A with Reed Wiseman, and I said, "Well, if Jim Henneman's saying that it's not quite Stanley, but it's high on the list." Uh, Very much an icon in our business. I think uh, Jim's going to come sit and talk some baseball with us on Monday. I'll look forward to that. Uh, The bat around tomorrow morning with uh, Paul and Zach, 10 to noon. Make sure you uh, tune in for that. And then on Sunday, Reed and I will be on 1 to 4. Please, I know this is the very difficult thing because we're up against, literally we're starting at the exact same time as the The Orioles Orioles game, which just sucks so much. Please, please come join us. (laughs) Why not? What are you doing? Why wait? You come, come hang out with us. We're going to do a special Father's Day show. I know Colton Kowser's dad's joining us. I know Kyle Hamilton's dad's joining us. We're working on a couple of others, but we're going to do a fun Father's Day show on uh, Sunday and celebrate dads. All right, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Baltimore Orioles, All-American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin, at Griffin underscore Bass on Twitter. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Do, go U.S. soccer. US, yeah. Duke sucks.